0: Today's podcast is brought to you by my number one choice in tires, Pirelli. And since I used to be a race car driver, I know a thing or two about tires. The iconic tire brand is known for its long tradition of innovation, advanced technologies, and high-quality products. Pirelli recently added the new Scorpion All-Season Plus 3 to its American range. Developed to go the distance, it comes with a 70,000-mile treadwear warranty. Choose more mileage, more comfort, more control, with the new Scorpion all season plus three. Ask your local dealer for a tune-up. Trust me, I'm a driver.
1: I went there to Egypt, and it confirmed what I was already highly suspicious of, which is that something spectacular was happening on Earth, that humans were doing amazing things, and it confirmed it, whether it's the Assyrian. For sure. the, the CRPM with the center time boxes, oh. the great pyramid and everything else. I'm like, okay.
0: But in the great pyramid in the King's chamber, the frequency was really high. I just think they yeah. were energy centers. I think that perhaps they were used for healing. Um, perhaps yeah. they were used to somehow sort of charge up in some kind of ways, even mm. to rebalance. And maybe there was, I don't know communication with other extraterrestrials maybe that's where it happened because of the alignment with orion's belt and the mm-hmm. pyramids and and the way that they use the stars perhaps as sort of like a almost like a like a, a direction
1: it's like directions it's like a yeah. map it's like oh yeah it could, a land here. it could be land here like a, like we're here yeah ping ping like land come, here come come and get us hey hey alien overlords that dropped us off and it left us
0: Welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. Uh, Today on the show is a very fascinating guest. His name is Jimmy Corsetti. He has a YouTube channel called Bright Insight. And I've been following his videos for years. In fact, the way that it came along was there was something I had posted on Instagram, somebody that had replied, you should check out and he had his handle on Instagram. And so I just like curious every now and again, I clicked on it and I was like, Oh, man, I've watched these dudes videos. His videos are about um, ancient civilizations and the mysteries of the world that we have yet to find out. So whether they're about ancient Egypt or Atlantis or the moon or JFK or uh, Mayan cultures, I mean he's made videos on all of them in many different ways, and he's traveled to a lot of them uh, himself. So um, we just talked all about it. It was just all, I mean, it was a really longest episode on history so far, I'm pretty sure. Um, And it was just all about ancient civilizations, a little bit of his background and where he came from. And then we went into... All of them, we talked about the Younger Dryas, which is where there was supposedly, well, there was a cataclysm that sent the world into a cold phase. And then when we came out of it into Anunnaki's and Atlantis and Egyptians and Mayan cultures and the Sumerians. Um, And then, of course, we touched on stuff that has to do with it, which is like, honestly, magic and manifesting and the power that we have within us and what I think is very untapped. Um, and I'm not just talking about the people, I'm talking about myself. Um, and so it's just like hopefully a really inspiring and fascinating conversation um, that will be very thought provoking. Uh, and my guess is maybe inspire you to go to Egypt afterwards. But uh, anyway, enjoy the episode. If you like this episode and you want to see more, please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so that you get notifications when a new one posts. I don't know, I have a good feeling about 2022, I feel pretty good about it.
1: I do too, actually. I was telling this uh, someone this the other day. I'm like, I think that the future is bright, but I was going to mention as far as like these little hiccups, you know, I just noticed and some people think I'm crazy, but I I feel like there's something to it. We're about to hit mer- Mercury retrograde in the next, we're less than two weeks out. And they say that once you're at that two week before or after, that's when like weird things start happening. Hmm. And I, I think there could be something to it. I think our, just our part in the cosmos. Why wouldn't there be things that would influence us? But anyways, because a lot of people say there's all hiccups and electronics and other things and just like never make plans. Contracts. Through. Yeah. They said, don't do that. And um, so here we are, because it starts like, um, I forgot what day, but like we're already, they say the effects started on December 28th. And so we're already into it. Even though it hasn't gone ret- full retrograde yet, it will do that in like, I don't know, 10, like less than two weeks. Something like I,
0: that. Um, I took two levels of astrology. I definitely believe in a lot of it, which is why I did it. I would say that if you allow it to be your guide, it can be. Meaning like if you go, here comes retrograde and you're like, here comes the, you know, the Taurus moon. So anyway, I do believe in some of that stuff, but I don't follow it nearly as much now. But, you know, it's more like it's almost like a astrology almost ends up becoming almost like a like a psychic reading of some sort where you get it and it kind of doesn't really make sense until you're in it or past it. And then you're like, Oh, because like, if you know the retrograde's coming, it's like, you know, could you anticipatorily like add in your own sort of color to that situation and look for things and then find them possibly. But it's like, if we're in it and I'm like, I don't know, cancellations, all these things, technical, whatever. And then you go, if we're in retrograde, then it's almost like, it's almost a little bit of confirmation. um, But I don't, I don't let it guide me. So we're not going to go too too far down the uh, (laughs) astrology rabbit hole.
1: Right. I was going to say, I think part of it is, because I guess I've been playing with the universe and just studying it, I think that we're creators in more ways than we realize, like our thoughts, intention, words all bring things to fruition. And I think that just the very belief in itself, whether it's placebo or whatever, like I think that could create things because it's like even the placebo effect is a real thing. They do scientific studies for medicine all the time, and there always has to be a placebo. It's the only way to do a proper study. And yet there's still these miraculous cases of people that are cured from various ailments because they thought they got something and they believed it. And I think there's something to it. So whether it's like 100%. crystals, yeah, whether it's crystals or horoscopes or other things, I think that your level, anyone's level of belief is the defining difference. I really think that I think if you believe that being, these things make an impact, well, then it is true for you. So to Thoughts become things. I They do. I, I do believe
0: this. Firmly, firmly believe that. I mean, I can look at that even with my own career and things like that, that it was because I just truly believed it was going to happen and it was going to work out that I think it did because there's really no good reason why it should have. Like right. little girl from Roscoe, Illinois. My dad wasn't a famous tr- race car driver. Like we didn't have a ton of money. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why it wouldn't, but I just really freaking believed it was going to happen. Anything that you see was originally a thought form. It was mm-hmm. somebody with a, an idea and then it got created. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a chain of events that happens after you think of it, but it's first formed with thought. And of course, as we well know, and I have interviewed people about this, nothing is firm and solid, even us. Like we think it is. It's just vibrating at a slower frequency to create this matter. When I interviewed Neil deGrasse Tyson a while back, you know, I confirmed with him about, you know, whether or not there's how much matter there really was. And if you put all the people together and I was like, I heard it's like the size of an apple. And he's like, yeah, that's about right. And I'm like, oh my God. The guy that discovered that actually was afraid to put his feet on the floor in the morning because he was afraid he would just fall through because he realized that like nothing is actually solid.
1: That's actual total science though, to say it's like vibration. and, And because it's like, if atoms exist, which I don't doubt and no one, like the whole scientific community like seems to agree like this atoms are a thing, like they, and they're bound together through this mysterious electrical force. None of them are touching each other and they're actually separated by vast distances compared to like their actual size. So that means that all of this is by definition illusion. Cause it's not what we think, like it's not what the human eyes are picking up on. And, and my whole life has changed with the very concept or the, the shift, I guess, in my thoughts of awareness itself of what like our human experience is in the universe. And that I think all of this is a big,
0: you know, I try to always eat clean, but sometimes, well, life happens. Friends come over or plans change, or you just run out of time and you got to reach for a snack. That's why I reach for Good Foods plant-based dips. With Good Foods, I get to snack healthy, but I don't have to sacrifice taste. Sometimes the convenient choice can be the smart choice. Good Foods plant-based dips are all made with simple, clean ingredients like fresh produce, herbs, and spices. They're vegan with no added sugars and they're dairy-free and gluten-free. And that's something I can feel good about when I dip fresh veggies into creamy, delicious Good Foods Queso. So make the good choice and grab Good Foods dips the next time you go to the grocery store. Try a whole selection of plant-based dips, buffalo, tzatziki, queso, and spicy queso. And don't forget about the guac. They're all made with fresh ingredients and full of flavor. Eat good and feel good with good foods, guac, and plant-based dips.
1: Illusion, but in a, in a good way. Illusion, not in a negative way. Um, not like a, but like, if that's the case, that things are all held together through this force, and here we are talking about it, and we also experience sensations like love and emotion, and whether it's humor and anything else, joy, uh, or even sorrow, I think that right there is the to me, it's the evidence that there is far more to this. That Because some people have like a nihilistic view on things. They think, wow, it's like a primordial soup type thing. All of the whole universe is just an accident. It's a, enough chemicals mixed together with heat and water. And ta-da, here we are. I'm like, eh. no, I don't. I think the fact that I'm questioning meaning, the fact that I wonder to myself, well, why does love or other, why do these things exist? Why do I exist? Why do humans, like, what's this about? And the fact that I can sit here and talk to you about it through a, a phone, uh, you know, through wireless, all this crap. Like, you know, even uh, whether it's changing the TV station or the radio station, it's all a frequency, right? And you see something totally different when you press this one little button. No one gives it any thought, but yet, instantaneously, we could see something on the other side of the world, like that. I don't know. I think all of this is the evidence right in front of us that we're that there's far more going on behind the the scenes or or, or the veil of the human eyes. I like to say. Um, I think the proof is right here. I've, I've had so many. Are you familiar with synchronicities?
0: Oh, I, yeah. I, I hope for them all the time.
1: And I, I believe it's like, as Carl Jung said, because he was like big into this and he was like the father of analytical psychology. And he's, he was a huge, he researched synchronicities. He didn't know what to make of them because he had some miraculous ones. And he was a believer, by the way. I'm like Freud or Nietzsche's like, that's one thing I like about Jung. He's a believer in something. And he used to study this and he believed that just the conscious putting it out there that they do exist, that they would happen more frequently. And it's happened to me. And do you want to hear a story? It's- of course, so, that's the
0: best part. Like I, I want all the stories <laughs> you have, please.
1: So I have some I have some miraculous ones, but I'll, I'll keep those to myself or for another time. But there was what? one-
0: You're going to withhold oh. the miraculous <laughs> ones?
1: Well, this one is, all right, let me share one. Okay. And okay, so this is like a year ago. I was living in Boise, Idaho. And I was literally one evening having like these thoughts, like about synchronicities and my relationship to the universe and everything. And it was at night, it was time for bed. I was already like done doing my little go to bed routine. I let the dogs out, and um, all of a sudden, I had this random impulse thought. I don't know where it came from, but it's like just go outside to the backyard. And I had a lovely backyard, it was nice and dark out there. I was along like the Boise foothills, and like I could see the stars. And um, all of a sudden, like I'm just wandering around, I'm just and I walked to the corner of my yard, and all of a sudden, like I'm just looking up at the stars, and all of a sudden, I had this impulse thought, and it all happened to say, like, in less than a second, because you know, thoughts are they happen so quick, but it was like contemplating my existence in the universe and synchronicities, and like a belief that I'm tied to consciousness or whatever. And I remember thinking to myself, if I see a shooting star right now, it's confirmation. And at that exact moment, I look up and to my left like keep on I didn't think about this it wasn't like let me look for a shooting star this happened like instantaneously so for me anyone listening to this story is going to dismiss i like ah coincidence whatever but I know what happened and that's why it's difficult to share these things because some people blow it off and I'm like I was there I remember and it was not controllable I I just looked to the left and then at that exact moment a shooting star went right over my head in this direction and let me just say it wasn't like okay um you know a shooting star caught my peripheral vision over here. And then I thought of it like subconsciously. No, it was I looked and then it happened. But between the thought of like if I see it now and me looking was like we're talking not like a second, which is really quick. And to me, it was like my jaw dropped. I knew it happened. I got goosebumps. I was like, mm. something had happened. I felt like I would I, I describe it as I witnessed a miracle because I couldn't replicate that. I didn't plan for it. It wasn't like I'm looking up all day, looking for a shooting star. And then once I see it, it's confirmation. This was, I don't know where I'm going with this is I don't know where the impulse came to think of that thought and look, because I wasn't thinking about it at that moment. And where did it come from? That's my question. And to me, it was like, it was just confirmation that, oh my God, there's like, there's something else happening. And I want to know who, what was it? Was it myself? What made me the I, the I am at say consciousness? What made me look in that direction at that moment? It it was Was, a big line fuck.
0: Was that, no, it's a mind expander, I I would say. Was that the impetus? No, that wasn't. You've been on, you said this was only a year ago. This is just a synchronicity. So then what was the impetus that sent you on this path to make, because you've been making videos on YouTube now for five years?
1: Yeah. Probably
0: since 2016-ish, maybe. Yeah. And they're all about Atlantis and the moon and all kinds of absolutely fascinating ancient stories, especially with Egypt. So, um, which is of course where I got really hooked. Um, and so what, what was it that, that turned it for you? Because you also used to be in the service, like you you served in the army.
1: Yeah. So I was army national guard and I volunteered because I, uh, I was inspired by nine 11. And, um, do you want to hear this quick? Cause I never, sh- everyone's everyone, my following didn't know hardly anything about me until I was on a, another podcast recently. I never shared my name. I didn't, people didn't know who the hell I was or what I had done. Cause I was just so private. I'm like afraid of the internet. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to be private Jimmy. So this will tie into like what I call an awakening because part of like me going into the service and volunteering to go to Iraq. I, I always say Iraq. It's pronounced Iraq. I mean, no disrespect, but I, my buddies always say Iraq. Um, but it's Iraq. And, um, this, like, because of that, it led into my awakening, because like, it was a reality check after the years after I came home, realizing, like, oh, my God, like, what I thought about our reality was much different. I had, I felt I had been deceived. So here's the story. So I was always Mr. Patriot. And like, I always maybe I saw too many movies as a kid, or like both my grandfathers were World War Two vets, my father was a Vietnam vet. And then I was a senior in high school in 911. And I was just profoundly affected. I was devastated by it because like, that was a very, um, impressionable age to witness that on TV, you know, senior in high school, because you're thinking you're, 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 growing and you're, you're, you think you know everything. And anyway, so I was really, really bothered by that. And, um, I ended up having a few knee surgeries, uh, one in high school and the years after, but that whole time I was like really, really putting a lot of thought into like, I'm going to enlist, I'm going to go volunteer. Um, and what happened was, I was working on ATM machines and I had this partner We go around the Valley, just working on ATM machines for chase and other banks. And um, so this guy, his name was, I don't know where he's at now, but Ali Al-Tahimi, he was an Iraqi refugee. So back in the late nineties, um, he, there was a civil war in Iraq uh, down in al basra the second largest town. And they tried to overthrow Saddam because he was a tyrannical, he was a bad dude. And long story short, they lost because he sent his whole military and his tanks and, and the stories he was telling me and keep on, he was like in elementary school when this was happening. Um, And the stories he was telling me as it would be like in this vehicle all day driving around from ATM to ATM machine. And this is, keep in mind, this is like, we're talking 2005. So this is like the only thing you saw on TV was the Iraq war. Right. And I don't know if people remember what it was like back then. That was the only thing that was on the news. And um, so he was telling me these stories like he saw people be killed as a kid and he knew it had impacted him. And, um, he was telling me the story. He was like in the street playing around and there was like a gunfight. And this older guy was like, Hey, get out of here, get out of here. It's not safe. And then poof, he got shot in the head in front of him. And he's like devastating to see like, he was like fourth grade. And then, so this is like during the civil war and then what Saddam did, he sent the, his Republican guard door to door in al Basra. And the, what they did was they took the eldest son from every household, and they were never seen or heard from again. And his brother, his oldest brother, was 17 at the time, but he was not a non-combatant. He said, "My brother was home. He wasn't engaged in anything. He didn't do anything." And he was taken, and the family never heard from him again. So they, he 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 hated Saddam. He was so happy we invaded. He said, like, "I'm going to enlist. I'm going there too." And uh, he's like, "Because he's like Saddam killed my brother." He said it a million times. Saddam killed my brother, and um, so he ended up enlisting as an Iraqi refugee. And I was like, oh, let me, and let me just say, so after that happened, his parents sent him and his siblings out of the country. Uh, they had to go through a few different countries and they linked up with some distant relatives here in Arizona. And he had been here ever since. So I was like blown away because this was all at a time. And I'm like, maybe I should enlist and go do my part. I'm going to go liberate mm. the Iraqi people. I feel like we're witnessing the Nazis like do terrible things. We need to stop them. Mm. So I was so like, that's when I enlisted. I enlisted in, in June of, of 2006. And I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna volunteer to go to Iraq, and I did. And so I was, I ended up going in 2009 and 10, and um, everything about it was different than what I imagined. Like from what I saw on TV, I was like, "What are we doing here?" I was like, I went there thinking I was gonna liberate these people because I saw on TV they're waving us in, and it's like only the bad mm. guys that are hurting, hurting us. And I'll never forget it. My first mission out, we so I was military police, and not not like law enforcement police. I was combat MP, so we do convoy security. We would like, you know, escort people around. Oh, so one of the things we would do is train the Iraqi police and we'd go to the Iraqi police stations and they hated us. Most of them were prior army and they were like the same guys killing us and shooting us when we moved in or invaded, I should say. And so every time we'd talk to these people, we'd have to go through an interpreter and the interpreters would say, they'd start and end every single sentence with tell the invader this. So I'd be having a conversation like tell the invader, why are you here? And I remember being devastated, thinking like, I just, I just want to help you. Like, what? Sure. Anyway, so I'm getting, yeah, so I'm getting long-winded here. But it was like, it was an eye-opener because I'm like, you know, y- you saw as we were there as invaders in a different country that we were completely ruining these people's day by shutting down roads or telling them to go a different direction or saying, you can't go here and as in, so, in, in someone else's country. And, and let me just say, I wasn't anti-war at that point. It took me a couple of years after I got home that I was seeing different news reports and thinking like, the media's lying. Like, what? This isn't accurate. Like, what's happening? I started to realize like this wasn't what I thought it was. This was big business. Like, I saw the infrastructure we were setting up on our bases while we were there, and knowing what I know now, and I know I'm all over the place, um, but I end up going back to school and get a master's of business, and then it all started to make sense. I'm like, this is big business. Like, this was this was about real money because we went there and we set up shop with no intention to leave. Like, that was planned from the get go, and I didn't understand it at the time. I'm like, this was more than. Some search for WMD. This was like, this was a strategic money-making grab on the likes of which most people don't even want to believe.
0: Oh yeah, of course. How how? What was the indicator that this was set up to stay? How did you right, know so that?
1: The, the infrastructure, whether it's like we call them the chow halls, so the dining facilities, the gyms, the, the the housing facilities, everything on base. And there's you know a hundred bases throughout the country. Like they were the infrastructure. They were more than just tents. They were building. Like they were. While we were there, so this is, all right, so I'm going to, this is, all right, so this is like dangerous ground, but I'm just going to say it because many people are not. Um, So there's a company called KBR, it stands for Kellogg, Brown, and Roots. And they are the, um, they do all the logistics for the United States military, whether it's food, transportation, moving in and out, like, you know, we're talking hundreds of millions of tons of equipment, that's the company. And I remember seeing like, and let me just say, and this is like, this was like a good thing, but they fed us really good. So like we had every Sunday with steak and lobster tail, and they had crab legs seven days a week. <laughs> they oh it my so, God. Good. It was so good, it was wonderful. Um, and so I remember thinking, like, look at all this money. So long story short, I end up like digging into them years later after I got home. And do you know who? So this is this is where it gets wild. Do you know who was the vice president of KBR up until up until the invasion, or I should say, let me back up until the presidential election, George Bush? All right, I'll just tell you, Bush Senior. George, or no, Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney. And everyone was saying he was like the mastermind. So like, so he was the vice president for KBR. And then he resigned when he got on the ticket as the vice presidential candidate for George W. And then I started, and I remember reading all about this. And if you go look at it now, it's like, they try to bury this because KBR in the New York. Let me just say the New York times reported on this, like in 2007 or eight or whatever year it was, maybe it was 2011. I don't remember, but there was like more than... Um, what was it? I forgot. Like a hundred billion with a B. I could be wrong on that. Something like that of overcharges by this company, um, and like there was all this audits and the, like the, the the they fired the guy that was asking all the questions. So one of the guys that worked for the Pentagon was like, "Oh, there's like a real issue here." They fired him and replaced him with a guy that turned out, that shut down the whole investigation. You can read this. This is not wow. Cons- At least
0: they didn't kill him. I mean, that's not been, that's not yeah. out of reason in the in the landscape yeah. of the world as we know it now.
1: Yeah, so to not I don't want to go too deep but like it's like like I, I started adding these things together and realizing that money drives the world and there are bad people out there that would do anything for a dollar. But I had a police officer friend tell me once they they investigated a murder over 1 dollar. Someone, someone got in a fight over a dollar and killed the other guy. A dollar, 1 dollar. One, $1. And I'm like it just goes to show you that if you're talking hundreds of billion or billions to say people coming, you know, that want to be billionaires, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. There are people that would literally sacrifice lives and um, so anyways, long story short, that kind of sent me down a path of realizing like, man, like I never would have believed that my own, because I had friends that died and like, I never would have believed that like, something like this would actually happen. So it was kind of an awakening that sent me down the path of like, hey, you know, sometimes you think you know something for certainty and you, and you learn and you end up finding that you're wrong and it's very humbling, but it's also very liberating to realize like, hey, you don't know everything. You just don't.
0: So obviously you're miffed by uh, the integrity of the country, and you're also probably on a fundamental level, your your questioning for how things work has been rocked because now you're like, wow, if this one thing that I believed in so much—that's really foundational with our country and something that's happened for hundreds of years—like. Hmm. now what? And so where, what was it then that got you into the realm of ancient mysteries and understanding uh, what it's really all about and what's going on? uh, What what drove your fascination with Egypt and all those kinds of places?
1: So let's go back to 2014. I was working in a, a corporate type job where I was investigating fraud for a company and I started to really dread going, I I went from getting hired on and like excited to go to work. And over a few years, I was like dreading it, like waking up to the alarm and like really not wanting to go to work because I didn't like, I don't like a set schedule. Jimmy, Jimmy operates better on his own time. And, and, and if you ask me to do things that I don't, I'm not excited about, it's like, it's tough. And I was looking for other positions. Nothing was panning out. And I ended up having a knee surgery. And I think this was the precipice because I'm a very active person. I'm fidgety. I like to move around. And I think this knee surgery like facilitated a depression that I had never experienced. I didn't know what depression was until I experienced it in between being couch ridden for months on end and crutches mm. were like rough for me and hating my job. And um, I was married and that wasn't going well. And I was, my best friend was killed in Afghanistan and that devastated me. And I was already questioning like, what the hell is going on in this world? Yeah. And um, so it was a lot of things all at once, and there I was on the couch. I'd already, I had already been fascinated by the ancients as a kid. I thought it was a fun topic, and I just started digging into it. I don't, I don't know what video it was I came across, but one that I do remember is that this gentleman Brian Forrester, who does like tours of ancient sites. I've, I've met him a few times. I went to Peru and Egypt with him. Lovely man. He lives in Peru, and I came across this video of him in Egypt at the this place called the Serapium, which has a few dozen. 100-ton stone boxes that are carved out of one piece of, of stone, and these stones were mo- moved some 500 miles away, and they're a complete mystery. It's like one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. And I was a video. I'm like, I've never seen this before. I don't understand how I've never heard of this before. And so I started, and he's talking about Mohs scale, the, the, the hardness of these stones, and that the Egyptians that we know of were not did not have the tooling capable of cutting these things to this precision. And so I started, I'm like, okay, let me just do, let me just do my own little research here and kind of like dig into this to see if like, this is, if there's truth to this. And then I started looking into it. I listened to what like the naysayers say. I look at what the everyone scientists all over the place. And I just think for myself and I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, this is actually a mystery. Like they, there is no explanation for how they cut and carve these stones or move them 500 miles up and downhill. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? So that sent me down this path. I'm like, this is fun. I was already depressed and miserable in my life. So I'm like, let me just let me brighten my mood and, and read about the ancient Egyptians. And um, and it sent me down this rabbit hole of like, I'm like, like, there really is a mystery. I'm like, any adult that looks into this in the details, the new more nuanced details that they never heard about in school or any documentary, I'm like, there is legitimate scientific evidence that I say proves or or at least overwhelmingly indicates that there's mystery there. And it, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm like, I'm not debating, you know, the, the, the invasion of the Iraq war right now. I'm debating something really fun and positive that I think anybody could be interested in. And I came across then Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson. I saw them on the Joe Rogan podcast and it like exploded my head and it sent me further down um, this rabbit hole of, of studying the ancients. And to me, I think it's nothing more, it sounds funny to some, but like it's the sexiest topic ever. It's the ancients, we don't know, anything about it. And I'm like, it's fun. And it's just something about it It just gets me going. The women were probably the
0: sexiest. They were natural (laughs) and they had tons of jewelry. (laughs)
1: Tons. So going back to, I I went back to school for an MBA. I graduated in May of 16, moved to Boise, Idaho for a whole new start. I'm applying at all these jobs, nothing's panning out. And I was thinking about becoming a school teacher I'm like, how am I going to do this? I have student loans. Like, I can't afford to be a school teacher. Like, because I was thinking about taking, biting the bullet. I'm like, I'll just take the pay cut. I used to want to like make decent, look, look, if I got student loans and I want to have a decent car and like a house with some land, I'm like, you got to make some money. I don't need, I don't have any desire for a mansion or a Lamborghini, but I do want to be able to go to a restaurant and order whatever I want. I started at that same period of time hearing that people were making money on YouTube. I'm like, well, hell, I can teach anything in the world on YouTube. And that's what I started doing. I started shotgunning it with topics of spirituality. I had videos talking about crystals and intuition and like um, near-death experiences, all kinds of stuff. And the ancients was the most fun topic because I would see other videos like, ah, I could be better than this. Come on now. I'm like, so I just kept going at it. I'm like, all right, you know, just listen to the feedback to an extent and just get better. And so like a lot of people will see like my videos or my channel and be like, oh, wow, you grew pretty quick. You know, you only have so many videos. I'm like, well, I deleted more than half of them. And a lot of them early on were terrible. I wasn't scripting myself. I was all over the place. I would say things too many times. I was redundant. I was annoying. And um, my editing sucked. And um, anyway, so it, it was a process. And I'm actually, I'm just proud of myself because I stuck it through and it was worth it. And I I just told myself ahead of time, I'm like, well, I'm not giving up. I'm going to make my, I had a certain goals in mind for it. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to teach people things that they need to hear because I was thinking to myself, I could go down the uh the political route because at that time we're talking 2016 all the crazy stuff going in the world elections and everything
2: oh, yeah. and i was like
1: i felt inclined to talk about that and i've, I've had to pull myself back from politics because it only makes me it bothers it it ruins my mood every time i look into anything did you feel so much- like
0: you had something to say based on having been um in the army and having more experience of the inner workings perhaps
1: oh yeah it, if I'm being honest with you, the hardest thing has been for me with my channel is that there are times I really do want to expose and say things that I'm thinking because I see the world right now and it's upside down and I know what's going on. There are big things happening and they're not good. I don't, I'm very, very concerned about the direction of the future. And if there's anything I've learned while studying the ancients is that there's this reoccurring theme about our history is that it's like a we're constantly destroying ourselves. It's like a rinse cycle repeat of people that for some bizarre reason, crave power and want to exert it on others. I don't know why people are like this, but they just, it's a human thing. Not all humans, maybe not you, maybe not me, but there's certain people out there that are quite miserable. And for some reason, they, I don't know, it just excites them to have rule over others and make people's lives misery, miserable. But anyway, so I do have this, you know, I've had, its I've struggled greatly because I do see things and I want to say it, but I'm like, sometimes you have to choose a hill to die on. And some of the sure. things that I would say, I already know what would happen to me, or at least my my livelihood, let's say. And so it's been difficult. And I remind myself, I'm like, well, you do have a hold to die on. And I think that maybe I'm better served because I just want to live a happy life. Like there was a period of time where I was unhappy. And I'm like, being happy feels good. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to live a happy life. And I think that one of, I want to use whatever skill sets I have to improve others' lives. I'm like, The ancients is a, is a cool thing to do. And I do believe it's important because there's something that happened and we're going to get into this. There's something that happened to the ancients. There's a reason why this it's so mysterious. And I think that if we don't learn about that, it's just going to happen again. And it would break my heart for us to have made it this far technologically for us to go back to the dark ages and, and start over again. And I fear that that's possible if we don't learn from the mistakes of the past. So
0: I think that's a perfect lead into starting to talk about some of these cycles that have happened in history. I'm not the best historian in general, but I am fascinated with so many different things in life. And so I tried to kind of chronologically put in order some of the ancient civilizations that are hot topics of mystery, whether or not they existed or where it Mm -hmm. is and what it was all about. And of course, the main aspect that is the most interesting is the technologies and just mm. how things were made and and what kind of technologies they had, you know, looking at ancient Egypt and being there and, and to mm. see where it's at in the time frame that it existed. And you go, like, we couldn't even, pr- we'd have a hard time doing that now, you know, like there's things that will be uh-huh. difficult now that they can't even figure out how to engineer so clearly there was different technology. And the question, of course, is who, who did that technology come from? And um, so almost like closing the, the loop from the very beginning when we started talking about stars is, you know, one of the things that's so common, such a common thread within so many of the civilizations is their use of the stars and especially Orion's belt and the three mm-hmm. the three stars of Orion's belt and those correlating with um, with the Great Pyramid and the other two. Um, and then that happens. There's lots of there's lots of other similar situations in different places in the world. So if we're going back, 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 like probably one of the most interesting things that I think is getting more more attention um, more recently is the Younger Dryas period, mm-hmm. where you know there was potentially a well, no, there wasn't potentially. There was a cataclysm. There was something that hit Earth a, a comet, an asteroid something like that. And it sent the world into, into extinction essentially. And they can even find like soot and ash and all kinds of things as a layer in the soil to confirm this. And, uh, they learn all this through carbon dating and things like that. But the younger dries period being about what was it somewhere around 11 to 13,000 years ago. So yeah.
1: Yeah, eleven thousand six hundred is like the onset, is what they mm-hmm. say. Well, there was a couple events, and one happened like twelve thousand eight hundred, and then the other twelve thousand six hundred. So, like in the middle of it is the younger driest, where there's this deep cooling, mm-hmm. and so like, like you said, like this is like this is a this is scientific fact. What you have is um, as validated through uh, core ice samples from um, uh, Antarctica and Greenland, which show that the Earth went through these cycles of extreme uh, heating and cooling. uh, Rapid thawing of uh, or or rising of the um, global sea levels because of thawing of the ice caps. Um, More than 30% of the entire Earth's landmass is covered in that soot you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Signature traces of a cosmic impact, including nanodiamonds, sphericals, um, melt glass, iridium, all traits that are proven to have come from a cosmic impact. In fact, Mm -hmm. they even say that at that same period of time, there was global fires, they think larger than even the uh, during the impact event that uh, uh, was said to have wiped out the dinosaurs. And and it's like, and then with that came uh, a extinction level event. This is just North America uh, that I'm about to cite, but 75% of all mammals in North America went extinct at that same period of time. Um, if, and they found like, there's evidence of a cataclysm. They found woolly mammoths with food in their mouths, and they're like knocked over and frozen with their legs broken, like something poof them over, a woolly mammoth. Bunch of them, too. And it's like something happened. And the evidence is there. And some people say this is like the biblical legends of a flood that the Earth's sea levels rose X amount of feet in a relatively short period of time. Most people lived on or near the coast. And it was like a, essentially a reset for whatever was going on before that. It was just epic. Hell on Earth.
0: Yeah, obviously. Um, and the way that that plays into it is kind of in some of the, the next information, which I know you've talked a lot about, which is Atlantis and whether or not the disappearance or the extinction, the the sinking, not the sinking, Mm -hmm. the covering up of Atlantis happened at that time when you came out of the Younger Dryas and the ice caps melted and then, you know, things were flooded. So, but I'm wondering as far as like time timeline goes, where do like, cause I was looking stuff up cause I was curious too. I'm like, man, how does this all fall in? Cause I thought of all the things that I'm kind of curious about. So I thought about the, on, the Anunnaki, I thought about mm-hmm. Sumerians, Egyptians, Mayan culture, Roman culture, uh, and Atlantis. And so like, that's actually the order in which they came out as far as the order, mm-hmm. but that, so where does Atlantis come next in the timeline or is it more because, or is it the Anunnaki? Like, do w- can we talk about the Anunnaki? And yeah, that, let's do that. Who they were or who we think they were?
1: There are some, I'm going to make a video on this. There are some that believe that the survivors of Atlantis, so to anyone listening that hasn't heard this, like Atlantis isn't just a Disney movie. It is a legend that comes from the Egyptians and they discuss how, and this is like 2600 BC and if they said 9,000 years earlier, there was an event that caused the destruction of this advanced civilization or by advanced, like, People should consider relatively. It means that they're more advanced than what people thought. Like it doesn't mean they're more advanced than 2022. Um, but anyway, and the, the, the date on that is precise to the younger Dryas. So to me, I'm like, it's scientific evidence that there was a civilization that got obliterated because it's like, it's too much of a, what a coincidence is that? There's some evidence that would suggest the survivors of Atlantis essentially went and repopulated because they talk about these seven sages. So this is where things get wild because i remember looking into the story of atlantis it came from plato we got from solon and and he talks about like solon being the wisest of the seven sages but it turns out the sumerians had their own seven sages
0: and the sumerians are what we believe to be the one of the
1: oldest cultures
0: or civilizations that we have proof of
1: that's so according to the academics or so yes that's the that is the first known documented human civilization Mm-hmm. Um, however, we know and that was before that. about Six, what year 6,000 6, years ago. Okay, so about 4,000 BC, yeah, yeah, precisely. And so, and what's so wild in you talking about Anunnaki? So, to anyone not familiar, it's like some people suggest that beings came from other worlds and created us and gave us knowledge and everything else. And what's so wild about it is that if you look at some of the earliest tablets, the Sumerian tablets. Some of those, I wish I could show you a photo right now, but they show like these beings on like this bird-like craft sitting on it and people looking up at them, holding their hands up. And I'm like, are they trying to like show us, you know, is it like an alien spacecraft, so to speak? And it's really? like, there's some weird stuff. And they have this tablet showing what some, I think, is the solar system. Um, So it's like, yeah, I mean, this is taboo. This is conspiracy to some people. They're done. Of course we we're not aliens. It's like, but I'm like, in my back of my mind, I think it's very possible because I think humans are a very weird species. I think we're, I'll just say, I think we're half alien. I think that something came here and tampered with us and here we are. People think I'm wrong and crazy. Fine. Whatever. I don't care. I bet you it's true. I can't prove it.
0: Uh, that's so I funny. I I just posted a story <laughs> about the fact that they just hired 24. I think NASA maybe hired 24 theologians to study how the humans would respond to aliens uh, yeah. aliens, mm-hmm. uh, an alien encounter. And my friend sent me a message back and she was like, she was like, we all already know it. Just let everyone know <laughs> you're an alien. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that you are. The yeah. like Patrick is, <laughs> By the way. So, um, undoubtedly there'll be people coming from my channel to like, to your podcast to see this. And a lot of people, so like, I always knew who you were. And to anyone listening, like, like everyone recognizes you. It's like some people that wouldn't even know about racing. And so like, I know this one. It's like, you know, I always knew who you were and I thought you were doing awesome stuff. And then I heard you on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast back in 2018. And I was blown away because I was like, I, I didn't know much about you, but everything, I was just like, wow, like you were, you're, in, right, so you're into these topics. Um, you're very conscientious. You're very inquisitive. You're very sharp. And um, there was just this whole other dynamic to you that I think is legit surprising because although- Um, the Rogan experience went over to, from, you know, YouTube to Spotify. I remember watching you on that program on YouTube and looking through the comments and people, thousands of people were saying the same exact things that I just said. It's like, I didn't know this whole other side to her and how would people. So like, maybe you should maybe, I don't know, introduce yourself a little bit because there's people that are going to be experiencing you for the first time that don't know, like that you have this whole. I mean, you're just so interesting. Like you're this like rare unicorn type figure and that like you're the Aww. only woman to do what you had done. No, you're, cause you're rare. Like you you did something that hadn't been done before. And and then you, it's like you dropped it all just a few years ago, you retired. You could have just mm-hmm. kept going mm-hmm. and you retired and you're like gonna pursue other passions. And I think a lot of people would have, cause a lot of people just keep going and like, I'll just do this to the end and make all this money and do whatever else. So I'm like, maybe, I don't know, introduce yourself cause people are gonna learn of you for the first time so
0: oh yeah well interesting I mean that's a that's a I, I agree I think sometimes people are listening and they don't necessarily know so much history so to be quick like obviously I used to be a race car driver I did that for 27 years and I would say that this sort of like introduction into spirituality probably came for me around 2014 15 maybe and I mean I just remember getting really fascinated going to Sedona I had always wanted to go to Egypt since I was a teenager, um, finally went in 2021. And, um, I, I just, I, I remember calling psychics when I turned 18. I remember buying Linda Goodman's love signs books when I was a kid and could drive to, um, back when people used to buy books at stores called Barnes and Noble and, um, <laughs> that I would sit store. in the self-help section and that's the only section that was interesting to me. Um, and so I have just really always been fascinated with the human experience, and I'm putting mature words to it now, but when I was younger, I just used to be curious. I used to just be like curious about things and skeptical. So mm. religion was probably the first thing to come along that really what I was skeptical about, and it wasn't like I didn't believe it. it was just that I just needed more information. and so I ask a lot of questions and so um And I remember one with the religion that I asked a long, long, long time ago. And I was like, why is it that you're not supposed to have meat on Friday during Lent? Like, what is the significance of that? Because people go through life puppeting their way and like reading, repeating things. And I'm like, I want to know why I'm doing this. That's the point. I'm pretty sure. And so when I found out that it was because meat was a luxury, I was like, oh, well, it's not anymore. Like meat's not a luxury. It's not something that you can't find. It's readily available. Um, so give up something that's a luxury is the point. And so um, so anyway, so I've just always been a questioner. And mm. um, then I'd say towards the end of my career, I started to feel like an energetic shift with my resonance, with my environment. And so it wasn't like the reason why my career uh, why I why I ended up st- retiring from racing, um, but it played in, played a part. Like I think that that just kind of all happens. Once you shift your frequency to a new level, then you know you have to be ready for your new life because it's going to cost you your old one. And so there are mm. things that tend to shift or fall away or change that, um, that you wouldn't expect because it's just not really in resonance with where you are. So I just remember being at the track and thinking like, wow, people are just not very happy. And like, I'm not very happy. And like, I just could mm. feel this like tension, like sad dynamic, like this, it was just It's just, you know, it's a sport, so it's competitive and, you know, it just wasn't, it just didn't feel good anymore. And even some of the people like didn't feel right anymore. And so then I just started getting even more into videos and watching, you know, I love Wayne Dyer and Mm -hmm. I love Abraham Hicks and I love, um, i I just started watching anything that had to do with sort of spirituality and, and, um, you know, what's really going on in the world from a more from a more like a quantum physics perspective. I'm Uh, really, really fascinated with quantum physics and how the nature of reality. Um, So then I just started diving into that. And then, you know, it kind of even led to the like there was like a big sort of like finale with my career where it was like my career ended on a Sunday I broke up with my boyfriend of five years on a Monday. I moved out on a Tuesday. So I just, it just didn't meet where I was at anymore. And so like my whole life completely shifted. And so it just kind of sent me on this, sent me on this different direction. That was so, that's so fascinating. And, um, I can't think of anything more important in life than growing and evolving. And part of growing and evolving requires you to question what's going on right here, right now. Yeah. And I think we're in a deep, deep immersion of that on so many levels. We're talking politically, personally, um, uh, health wise, um, you know, reality. I mean, we're hiring mm. theologians to study how we're going to deal with aliens. And I think there's just so many things that are being revealed at this point in time um, that uh, that are making people question the way that things really are. And the only way that we really step forward is that the truth emerges and it takes people and energies and frequencies and and, and platforms to, you know, shift that and to, uh, you know, reveal perhaps some of the other things that are going on. And it's not like the stuff that we talk about today is going to be some be all end all of the answer. You know, we're probably going to have to die to figure it out, but we can start pulling the clues together and we can start sort of like, you know, it's the house of cards. When you pull the bottom one, we got to start questioning it all. And so Mm. that's why, you know, I'm so fascinated with this stuff. And, um, And I'm really just a big truth seeker. And uh, if somebody asks a question, they're going to get the answer. And I think that's probably part of why people... Um, you know, maybe liked me and were a fan is that that I would answer the question, honestly, when I know what's real and what's not and what's then I know more about what's important and what's not. And then when I know what's important, that means I can put my focus there and I can help encourage myself to live a better life where I'm happier, where I'm having more fun, where I'm more joyful, where I'm less stressed out, where I'm not thinking about the past or the future. Um, that's why I do it.
1: So like you had mentioned a moment ago about like being, you know, quantum physics and all that and spirituality, like, do you consider yourself intuitive?
0: In the heart of Napa Valley lays somnium, which means to dream in Latin. The somnium vineyard estate is an extension of the love and intensity that I pour into everything I do. To experience our wines, visit SomniumWine.com and use the code SOMNIUM to receive a $10 flat shipping rate. Please drink responsibly. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think that um, intuition is one of those aspects that's being called... To uh, to to be developed within all of us right now uh, because there's not we're not really sure where we're getting our truth from anymore and so I think that we need to develop that inner compass and inner guidance um, of our soul of our higher self of uh, God whatever you want to call mm. it um, uh, we we need to develop that that ability and strengthen that muscle and so I think that this is something that the ancients probably did really well as they had more of the power of their mind to mm. help shape what was going on. And, um, and I think that we need to get back to that place again. I mean, you know, skipping ahead for a second to Egypt. I mean, it's all temples. It's yeah. all temples. Like there's, yes, there are pyramids, but they're completely mm. undecorated. There's nothing. They're just, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get there, but the temples are like, there are so many of them. And, um, and I, you know, we will talk about what we think they were, but it just shows how much, um, commitment and dedication to a spiritual practice that they had, that they would have so many temples where, so where do we fall them with like Anunnaki, Sumerians, Atlanteans, and and that whole dynamic—like, what order did they come in, and then what led to the next thing?
1: Well, that's a good question. I think. Let me just say. So, I do first of all think that we're like this hybrid species, and if that's true, I think it happened a really long time ago. But I don't know what that means. So, I don't know if that means hundreds of thousands of years ago, a million. I really don't know. But I have this feeling because we're such this weird species. We don't seem to assimilate in our environment whatsoever. We look like a, if you look at a city from space, it looks like a cancer spot. Like we don't, we, we, we need shoes just to go outside and stuff. Like we can't even do anything. Like we're this weird and we're just, I don't know. We're this weird species that destroys ourselves. And so like to answer your question, I don't know when that, if that's true, if that's the case, if you're like this hybrid species and, and by the way, I don't even I don't even uh, dismiss um, evolution. I think that there's evidence of like things are always evolving and adapting. Things are always in a state of change. So I don't disagree with it. I just think there's more to the story. But so to answer your question, I would say that something happened. And then maybe the Sumerians or whatever were trying to explain that. But it's hard to say. Um, All I know is that the Sumerians came, you know, they were around... You know, 1,500 years before the Egyptians, so-called Egyptians, started doing the spectacular things like the, the, the most impressive pyramids, say the pyramids of Giza, whether it's Atlanteans uh, way before them, um, because it's worth mentioning, a lot of people aren't aware that the Egyptians themselves same say, and th- this is uh, inscribed on um, the Temple of Horus, I believe, um, where they say that they came from the island of the, quote, primeval ones that had Uh, survived a cataclysm, and they repopulated down in Egypt. And this kind of coincides with what I'm researching now as far as the Sumerians talking about seven sages and that the theory is that people who survived, let's pretend Atlantis existed and they were relatively advanced and doing cool stuff. Some people survived if they got obliterated by a cataclysm, and they went around to different places to repopulate, spread the knowledge, I don't know, rebuild Yeah, And, um, so I think that there's truth to that. I, I, that would be my best bet.
0: The Atlanteans proposed that, that, that it, that it flooded and that some of those Atlanteans, you know, were able to survive and repopulated in Egypt then, um, on the Nile. And that's where the, the, the story continued. It became from there on out, it was thousands, you know, or whatever you're going to tell me how many years later that, you know, that it became a a, a metropolitan and, um, and and became what it is as what we would know it today. But, um, but the Sumerians were, um, you know, a part of that as well. Where were, where was
1: Sumeria? So in the same exact region. So if you have Egypt, which is Northeast Africa, Mm -hmm. it's practically Mideast though. It's right there. So if you go to like Sumer would be, Iraq, um, yeah. the the Mesopotamia, which is the land between two rivers, between the Tigris and the Euphrates. It's all biblical, and it's still there, and um, it's super close. Like it's, I'm well, super close. I mean, hundreds of miles, but it's in the sure. same region. Like it's right there. You're just crossing some water. I mean, you could technically go up and go through Israel, and it's all right there. It's the same exact region. It's all now. It's all big, a, a big desert pit, so to speak. Um, it's all the same. It looks the same from space to me. It's. There, there is no separation. They're the same, you know, and especially when you look at the fact that the Sumerians is supposed to be the alleged birthplace of civilization. And then that Egypt, which was so impressive is just South and West to it. It's yeah. right there.
0: You, your discovery of Atlantis, um, where is that? And what is it that m- makes you feel like,
1: you know, where it is? Yeah. Well, let me say, I haven't discovered anything. Um, I, cause some people say that I'm like, I yeah. didn't, I, I shared there was this Learned. documentary, yeah, there was this documentary from 2011 called Visiting Atlantis by a George S. Alexander and Natalie Rosen, and this got like no attention at all. And I came across it, and basically they had proposed a theory that a place, something called the Rishat Structure, it's R-I-C-H-A-T, it's in the Western Sahara of Mauritania, so in Africa, and it's 250 miles inland. And it's the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. And most people have never seen or heard of it, which is one reason what makes it so bizarre. And in this little known documentary, they propose that this is the most likely site for the lost city of Atlantis. And Atlantis was said to be a kingdom or an empire made up of 10 kingdoms. And then there was the, the capital. And they suggest that that was it. Because if you look at it, it's circular in nature. And it would have three rings of water and two of land. Um, which is exactly as Plato described it, which is so unique um, in itself. Because if you, anyone just Google, it's commonly referred to as the eye of Africa and also the eye of the Sahara. People call it different things, but Rishat structure. Everyone listen, go Google it right now and ask yourself, why have you never seen or heard of this thing before? So all I did, I, I, I popularized it and I built on top of it. I started digging in and I found other corresponding evidence that I believe strengthened the argument. And and I will say, to be completely honest, I'm not 100% convinced, but for me, it is the most likely uh, spot. Like There's more than a dozen similarities between the three rings of water and two of land, which is so specific. It's large enough to have uh, been home to millions of people, which Atlantis would have been because it was said to be busy all day and all night, spoken with different languages from all over, rich in trade. Um, It was said to be made up of black, white and red color stone, which is exactly what you find all around the um, uh It had elephants. It was said to have an abundance of exotic fruit and the Sahara Desert, a lot of people are not aware that 5,000 years ago, it went from being a, a lush green tropical paradise to what it is now. See, most people have no idea. When I first learned this, and this is to be fair, less than 10 years old, the, the scientific data keeps coming in. And it's like the Sahara Desert, which is the size of the of the contiguous United States, bigger than that, actually, like was covered in the largest network, some of the largest network of rivers ever known to exist and the largest freshwater lakes ever known to exist. And now they're finding all kinds of bizarre artifacts from unknown civilizations. And I'm like, and this happened in in possibly as little as a 100 years, about 5,000 years ago, that went from green to desert. And the way where I'm going with that um, is that, okay, so that would have been rich in all kinds of exotic fruit and vegetables um, as Atlantis was said to have. Um, and, and I made a few videos on this. It's super compelling. Again, I'll be, cause I, I just want to be, cause I'm an open-minded thinker. I don't know that it's it. I will say this though. It is, like I said, there's more than a dozen similarities and it is uncanny. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's the most likely site. Um, but I, but in, on top of that, it's covered in water erosion all across, right. uh, the Sahara. This has been verified by geologists, um, The only debate is how long ago that water erosion happened. Um, There is salt there, which is indicative, although not 100% proof, that um, the water or ocean had settled there. And I I bring that up because some people will argue, like, because I made these videos a few years ago, and so I've heard all, I've looked into what the critics have said, I've studied into this because I'm like, let me see, like, am I right? Am I wrong? Is there truth here? Should I, you know, what? Let me, I wanna know. And some people say, no, those are natural salt deposits. I'm like, huh, so if this site was a geological uh, volcanic dome, which is the scientific consensus is that it was a volcanic dome dome that r- r- rose and, uh, and fell multiple times over hundreds of millions of years or whatever, are they suggesting that that's, those salt deposits were there before and after all that volcanic activity? Because uh, no, and I, I don't want to be rude, but like that's, that's obviously not true. Like that salt would have come after. If that whole thing was a volcanic thing, which I don't disagree with, um, then that salt wouldn't still be there. Salt explodes when you heat it up. Like, go 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 to your kitchen and put, like, a, in a frying pan, some some oil and throw a bunch of salt in there and let me you know what happens. Like, you know, you've done it, right? It's like, you know, it's like so my point is I'm making that is that I think it's very indicative that it did come from the ocean. Um, and I just say that because some people are like, no, no, no. And I, Sure. Anyways, don't get me going on this. Um, well, actually, no, well, please, I get mean, me going. You're, uh,
0: you're justified <laughs> in that. Be, I mean, like, even when you travel, like I went to Egypt in 21. And when you're when you're there, you realize that the front of all of these temples, they have these like ramps with stairs inside the ramp. And it was because mm-hmm. there was water all the way up to them.
1: Yes. Water
0: all the way up to them. And when you go to Luxor and you go to the Luxor temple and you have, you could, there's a, there's a a street, there's a street that connects to other temples way far away. And along the entire thing are, you know, cats with different heads and they're <laughs> lined up. The statues just lined up all the mm-hmm. way along the street, all the way down. And they're finding them because they were buried in sand and dirt and everything yes. because it had been flooded. And so, yep. you know, when you and and then, of course, there's the Sphinx and how, you know, there's no way that it was built the same time. There's no way that it was built when the Egyptians were there and neither was the pyramids probably, but the, but the Sphinx in particularly has, um, uh, water erosion that would require substantially more than what, uh, Egypt's been experiencing for the last 5,000 years since it was, supposedly driving, yeah. And so um it's there's so many things that the water and the the temperature and the climate of um of it is is completely different. In fact, I just did an interview with uh Alex Honnold, the guy, the free solo guy, and he was talking about how uh you know, obviously hiking and seeing things and yeah. he was talking about glaciers and how sometimes mm-hmm. when he's going to places to climb, he has to go in a different way because the glaciers have receded enough. And so as he said like if the glaciers stop, produ- if they're not there anymore, then there's no more water. Then everything's just going to mm-hmm. dry out and die. If Glacier National Park doesn't have a glacier underneath it anymore, it's going to dry out. There won't be mm-hmm. humidity in the air. There won't be water to grow things, and um, that's coming largely from the glacier.
1: Yeah, and so this is one thing I try to tell people: like, you need when you look at these ancient sites, like say Egypt, you need to visualize what it was like at the time because let's say. Like we're just talking about the Sahara desert going from green to desert 5,000 years ago, approximately. And I'm like, well, Egypt's in the Sahara desert. Uh, and the fact that you were just mentioning the Sphinx it has significant water erosion. And that in the last time the Nile Delta region had significant rainfall was like more than 7,000 years ago. So more closer to nearly double the alleged age of it. And what that is, is it's, it's scientific evidence that suggests that there was water activity that shouldn't be there. And it's just, it, 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 suggests that the thing's older. And, um, and like you were saying, like the Nile river was once eight miles closer, went up to the pyramid steps. And the one thing I want to point out, um, cause like there is like, so when it comes to dating the great pyramid, they say it's like, okay, 45, 4,600 years old. And, um, and they dated it by finding organic matter between the casing stones. And another piece of evidence was the so-called, uh, Khufu boat, which was found right next to it. So, like you're saying, the water went right up to the steps. Mm-hmm. And, and one point I want to make is that people should Google Kh- Khufu's boat. Just type in Giza boat and it's this 150 foot long thing. It's awesome. But, and I mean this with no disrespect, but it's a piece of shit. It's a shit box compared to the pyramid. Like, if you look at it, it is, it is so unsophisticated. I mean, it's better than anything I could make if I'm you know, but like, to suggest, <laughs> to suggest that the same builders would could construct the pyramid and then make that crap boat because it, it's said to be Kaferi's boat. Oh, this is the, the, the same alleged Pharaoh that was said to have um, orchestrated the building of the Great Pyramid of Giza um, it, and that's supposed to be his boat um, and these are all just guesswork. I don't think it's actually true at all um, but the point that I'm making is that you're really, we're gonna make the comparison that the same people at the same period of time that were making this unbelievably sophisticated structure, one of the most stru- par- impressive structures ever made. And then they, but they're like, oh yeah, but we also make shitty boats for the Pharaoh. I'm like.
0: They were supposedly getting all of their large stones to build it from a quarry down the river and putting them on a boat. And I'm like.
1: 500 miles away down the river
0: anybody else think this doesn't make much sense and i know that's the way it mm. flows it does flow from the yeah. south to the yeah. north so
2: mm-hmm.
0: um up you know that's kind of upriver. um the south yeah. is upriver. um so the end of it is down towards cairo where the where the opening where the the northern tip of the of of egypt is in africa mm-hmm. but there's no way, there's no way. And these stones are like megalithic size. And like, you know, I mean, let's just start diving more into Egypt now. Um, but, you know, when you look at, of course, one of the first stops that I made in, on my tour was to Abydos, to mm. SETI's temple, and then yeah. to the Osirian temple behind it, uh-huh. which is like buried. It's not buried, but it probably was kind of at some point. It's way below the te- the SETI temple. And there. Yeah. And I believe that the SETI temple in Abydos is supposed to be one of the oldest oldest temples yes. there.
1: Is that correct? I i i i think so I, i'd have to double check but it's like yeah three plus thousand years old like an old one and um and and they they claim so anyone that's like not familiar with this google temple of seti Seti the first i believe and then osirion o-s-i-r-i-e-o-n i believe and uh oh, google will bring it up and they claim it's the same structure the same temple but anyone looking into us it, it's unbelievably different like the Assyrian is made up of these 60 plus ton blocks that are like 12-14 feet tall um like eight yeah, feet true. wide they are unbelievably big and were said to have been brought from hundreds of miles away and i'm like these things each one of them is heavier than than an abram's tank and like i don't know if people understand like the, the like there's it's unbelievable mass and um uh in actually quick random some of these stones that they find like whether it's at uh because i don't want to forget this i thought about a moment ago like at the crpm some of these 100 ton stone walks Came from five hundred miles away, but some of them, like the granite ones, the rose granite, but some of the blocks that they found, huge stones found around Giza, came from, or at least the only or closest known location where there could have been a quarry for that type of stone, would have like diorite would have come from Sinai, which is in the eastern portion of Egypt, and it's in the mountains. So, like, never mind for a second how they would have brought these some of these stones on boats. That's one thing because we never found a boat that could support any of the weights on on these stones, but. We can go back to that, but if nothing else, because some people are like, well, they had a bigger boat and you just, it's gone now. So it's gone. And and that's not proof it didn't exist. I'm like, fine, 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 fine. But explain to me how they brought a hundred ton stone up and down hills in the mountains and then across the river. I mean, and from hundreds of miles or maybe like less than like 150 something miles, whatever it is, like explain that up and down hills. I'm like, come on now, come on. But of anyway, course, so it's like to- it's like
0: the craziness. It's like the craziness of mine cultures. And when you look at Peru mm-hmm. and you go to Machu Picchu and you look at they built it like in the middle of these giant giant mountains, and then they just created this major structure civilization. And you are like, how would they get the stones for this? I don't know. So my theory is that yeah. they because when you look at the the casting of these, and I say casting. Um, perhaps there was some way to melt the rock. They had some kind mm-hmm. of frequency that melted it. Um, also, when you look at the um, precision of like filling in all the gaps and the little cracks and like nooks, and they're not just like block, block, block with mortar in between all of them. They're fitted right, right up to each other. They have interesting little nooks and different different mm-hmm. little characteristics that you're like, why would they waste their time with that? You know, just make it a damn yeah. square. And I, I, I think they had some kind of frequency technology that um, was able to dissolve these and be able to reshape them. And probably the easiest thing to do is to use what's already there on some level, perhaps. Like I don't know, I, I don't know. Like I, I mean, I guess I haven't completely figured it out. So I, right. I'll let the scientists of the world know when I come up with this crazy yeah. idea in my head. But, but I think there had to have been something like that because there's no other, there's nothing, nothing else, at least at this point in time, that makes sense. They surely Mm -hmm. didn't, they surely didn't carve them that way.
1: You want to hear something wild? Yeah. So, um, so I was just in Peru in August and it was lovely by the way. And, um, so what I was told, I never heard this before is that. So according to the local legends, they claim that there was a certain plant that was, um able to soften the stone so it didn't like melt it all the way down but it simply it made all it it facilitated that all these polygonal shapes that are perfectly fit together so and and, all right so this is what it's a plant yes so so no hold on so this is wild so
0: they ate mushrooms and then they saw it melt (laughs) (laughs) right yeah they envisioned it they imagined it
1: so allegedly there was these birds that were living on cliffs and the locals, hundreds of whatever, how many years ago found that the birds were making nests out of the same type of plant. And then the mucus or the, whatever, the, the whatever it was from inside the plant was essentially when it was set on stone for periods of time, it would essentially soften it up and like deform it. And you could like, kind of like put a fingerprint in it, so to speak. And, um, this plant, there was said to be two different plants that could do it. And they were at very high altitudes. Now this doesn't exist anymore, but. What I saw, I went over there thinking they had like advanced machine cutting or la- and I'm not saying lasers, but it looked like laser light. Like if you go to a laser light precision, if you go to like Oman, you have these 120 plus ton blocks fit together perfectly that today would be like a laser, you would think. And, um, and I looked at it and I'm like, I, it really opened my mind. I'm like, I think they did have an ability, whether it's a frequency or a plant that was say eradicated by the Spaniards. I mean, that could be possible. Whatever it was, something's missing. And the one thing I want to point out because if there's one theme to my anything I'm doing with this ancient stuff is I want to just share to people, like, there's a real mystery here that some people have it in their minds, like I used to, which is that, well, if it's not on the news, not true, or I would have heard about it, if it was true, it'd be on the front page. So, you know, next, you know, can't be bothered. And the reality is that if you dig into this stuff, you'll see that there are unbelievable mysteries. For example, um, I'm sure you went to Oyanti Tambo. It's like the other, oh, it's like oh, the yeah,
0: other combo or whatever. Yeah. It's hard to say, yeah. but I did go there. I went to a, I went to a ruins there too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the, a, did you go, did you go to the top? Did you climb up all those like 1500 yeah, steps? Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, it's, a, but, it's a huge, it, there's almost like, it seems like auditorium style yeah, yeah, levels. Yeah, it terraces. Been, it's probably yep. boom, terraces boom, boom, boom. where they, I think they farmed is what they said.
1: Yeah. Yep. And at the very top, did you notice it's like Sesame street. One of the things is not like the other. Did you see those massive 80 ton blocks at the top? like those huge, huge, huge megalithic stones, those ring a bell. You would have I mean, saw I them. guess I there was a
0: structure up there, but. Yeah, okay,
1: that. So that, those same stones are known, and this is like not debatable. Uh, on the mountain, on the other side, there's a river right there, but two miles away, there is a quarry. And I even measured this on Google Maps, Like, because I, I was told this when I was there on a tour, and I came home and did my own little fact checking. And sure enough, the, the, the quarry where that same type of granite came from was across the valley, two miles away over a river and up like 12,000 feet up. So even thousands of feet higher. So this, to bring these 80 ton stones, you would have had to gone downhill across a river, you know, a couple thousand feet again, 80 ton stones. I'm like, this is That's like- not
0: efficient. That's just not no, efficient. Like, why wouldn't they do something else?
1: I know. And here's another thing I've been dying to share. So, okay. Because like the experts will say, wow, they would have, how because they'd be like, how did they move these stones? They're like, well, we, they would have rolled them over on logs. I'm like, okay, well, that's possible. But here's, here's what's so wild. The largest native tree in all of Peru, I forgot the name of it because it's a very exotic name, but I have many photos of it. First of all, it's particularly small and none of the branches grow straight. None of them. None of the, 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 the oh. original, <laughs> the, the trunk, it's all bendy. It's a very unique, beautiful tree. They can't roll tree. it. No, and, and people will say, because they have a, an abundance of, I believe it's eucalyptus trees. Uh, I think it was from Australia. Is that the big the tree that comes from Australia? Whatever, I think it's eucalyptus. If I'm getting that wrong, but either way, in the 18... So the bar, the biggest trees now are like, you know, they're 100 feet tall. And there's like a bunch of them there in Peru. Um, but, and the experts will say, well, yeah, see, they use these trees for rolling them on logs. But it's not until you dig into the details that those trees were brought over from Australia in the 1860s.
0: Oh. Did not exist. It's not native of Peru. I'm like, what? Course, like it's fun to dive into mystery, but also it just trying to help encourage people to start questioning things, question things. You know, it doesn't mean that everything out there is fake, but it does means that some probably is. And I think that we can all agree that there's some shit out there that's not real. And our history has been covered or left out, and you know, just to like intermission perspective, it's because. Obviously, I think that we have so much more capacity and power as a human, as a human being. It's like, even mm. when we think about AI and all those crazy things going on, we're like, oh man, they're going to replace us. They're, you know, they're going to be technologically advanced. It's like all of their information is still coming from humans. So you know, yep. imagine if we were able to trust and believe and cultivate our own, you know, our own capabilities that go beyond just like collecting data. What about manifesting? Mm-hmm. What about moving something with your mind? I had this crazy dream as like a side story too. I had this crazy dream a couple of years back where I was um, I was in this basket. It was like a basket that was kind of small. It was almost like the size of what a hot air balloon would be, but there was mm-hmm. no balloon. And in this basket, you could go wherever you wanted to go in an instant, like the basket moved. And so it had anti-gravitational levitation and it would, and it was and in the activation, there was essentially because I was like, "Oh man, how does your hair not get windblown when you go like a million miles an hour going somewhere?" <laughs> First and question, yeah. It was yeah, my hair, and so um, <laughs> it was there would be like a, a force field or like an energetic sort of bubble around it that would protect it from protect you from the elements. And so anyway, I later on after I saw that video. I was looking, this is within a month, a month, couple months after, uh, looking on Instagram and there was, this, there was this video that had popped up on one of my follows. And it was a basket that used some beetle technology to levitate and it would just zoom all over at like 800 miles an hour. And I was like, no shit. So what obvious, So anyway, I'm just le- like trickling that See? in as a funny little ridiculous story. Maybe not ridiculous, but how did they get the stones there? Were they able to levitate them, move them? It mm-hmm. probably makes a lot more sense than rolling them down trees. I went to uh, Stonehenge in England and yeah. they said the same thing that they, they somehow got these huge, huge, I mean, like when we say huge, they're just, You have to really be in person to appreciate that. But they said they came from hundreds of miles away. And it's like, but why? But why would you do that? Why would you waste and spend all your time with the technology that we think they had Mm. to just like wheel them on over here to build this like design? It's like art. Like obviously it had a high purpose. They obviously didn't Mm -hmm. roll them or anything like that. They had some other technologies. So when we think then about like how the pyramid was built, like, man, I mean, when, when I was at Karnak, they said, see how this mound of dirt is here. And you can see the separation, the gap between this wall and the next wall. And that that mound was basically built up so that it would keep building. They just keep building the, wa- wa- the the sort of mound up and they'd ramp up the rocks to build the temples. And like, obviously there's some remnants in some ways that some of that could have happened possibly, but we're talking about the Great Pyramid of Egypt, and we're talking about something that's how tall is it? Do you know?
1: 481 feet at its height, which is I've told this to other people before, but you live in Arizona like me. So you, you are of course familiar with the Chase Tower in downtown, right? Yeah. You know, the tallest building in Arizona is the Chase Tower. It that I believe is like 483 feet. So we're talking basically identical. So the Great Pyramid would be as tall as the tallest building in all of Arizona. And not to mention 755 feet wide at each of its bases. And so when they talk about like this ramp theory, you would literally, because people have done the math on it, you would literally need more stones or as many that made up the entire pyramid itself. And you it would extend like a half mile out. Like, because like if you get to a point where like at 10% grade, every physicist, like there's no, you're not moving those 70 ton blocks up that. So like, okay, so the this is a consensus. This isn't like Jimmy, like guessing, like, this is like, okay, well, how did they do it? 70 ton blocks, more than 120 of them, uh, you know, more than 300 feet up inside the uh, alleged King's chamber and all that. So it's like, okay, so if they did the ramp theory, which isn't, um, that's not a bad theory at all. Like, it's like, okay, like, if they're going to get these stones up there, like, I, you know, a ramp theory is not bad. But then you do the math on it. It's like, well, if they needed more stones, or as many as it would take to build up the entire pyramid, well, then, where are those stones now? And I could say, well, okay, uh, I use those for the next pyramid. Cool. Okay, but then what? Where are those stones? Like, for that, you know what I'm saying? You do it next, next, next. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's a, that, nah. I, I don't know how they did it. And I, I, it makes me, I feel proud to say I don't know because there's a lot of people out there that say, we do know this is how. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, there's no, you can't prove that. So to say you know is, that's not, Honest, um, you see Sawyer walking around. Can you hear him walking? Are we good? Sawyer, no, you're can you
0: good.
1: see him you're totally good. Cute. <laughs> I don't want
0: to walk him out. Is that a, uh, is that a dog or a buddy. cat?
1: Oh, that's it's about, a dog. Sawyer, come here. Yeah, Sawyer. Because um, you got to hold on. Let's see. Come here, Sawyer. Can you see him? In
2: her <laughs> oh, that's boy. Sawyer.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Come here, come here. Say hi. Say hi. Everyone likes dogs. Hey, I have a policy. Never, and trust me, this is good life advice. Never trust anyone that dislikes dogs i hear you it's one thing if they don't want to if they don't want to own one because they travel and they just don't whatever but i'm talking about people who like that like you want to have a dog like nah. don't trust those ones
0: i'm not supposed to (laughs) which makes me think cats were a huge thing in egypt too like i mean like cats were a huge thing why are why were cats such a big deal in in ancient (laughs) egypt
1: You know, I, that's a really good question. And actually, so it wasn't just cats. So like, I remember seeing, this is like an article, I don't know, a year or two ago where they found this crypt, the subterranean burial, uh, cemeteries or or so, uh, in Egypt for pets. And in it was more than 2 million dogs and cats mummified. Yeah. they, They, the Egyptians. So as far as cats, like they do seem to be I I almost felt like they they leaned towards cats, but at the same time, there was Anubis the dog. So I'm like, exactly. I I think they're both. And I, to me, I look at, and I don't care if people think I'm crazy. I look at dogs and cats as spiritual beings. Um, Especially Sawyer over here, like he feeds off me. So I could be really stressed. Like I could, if I'm like looking at my laptop and he's in the other room. This has happened so many times, where. I'm like feeling like my blood starts, you know, I'm sort like, I'm, I'm stressing about something and then I'll hear him whimper in the other room. And like, I'm like, he senses it. Cause he'll do it in front of me, but then it's happened in times where in the different room and it's not like me breathing loud. And I'm not, I'm talking like, I'm seriously quiet. Yeah. I'm looking at something. I just came across. I'm like, Oh damn it. Like in my head. And then I'll hear him whimper. I'm like, what? cause I've heard other people refer to dogs as psychic um, buffers yeah. in, for the, for the spiritual realm. And, and, And I was going to say along with that, the same thing with cats, because I used to say I'm not a cat guy, but I am now. I don't own a cat. I'll only ever get one if I have a a property so it can be an indoor outdoor cat. Um, But um, I've noticed that in my life, as I got chilled out over the years, um, more and more stray cats come up to me. And it happened a ton in Egypt, where some people got scratched by cats, the same cat would come and be friends with me. And I have videos of this, I was going to post on Instagram, but I want to be like, A lamo and post it, Um, but I was like, I made a lot of friends with cats, and I feel like it's because I was out there with this really non-predatory mindset. This very, and by predatory, I mean like just, you know, like a lot of people, a lot of stray animals won't go up to certain people because they're in their own heads and they're they're giving off this vibe of like stress. But if you're just chill and really happy, they seem to gravitate towards you. Because I've known people in my life that animals just love them. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, what is it? They're like this whisper for animals. Yeah. Here, like, have so. you the animals like you? Don't yeah, yeah, they lie. do. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm sure you made friends with the uh, the cats at a- and Aswan, at the uh, it wasn't at the ISIS temple, but at, there was another temple that we Chile. went to. Maybe it was just right on the river. It was the one on yep. the river. There was the cats here, right? were the very friendly there to 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 that people place. in general, and it yep. was real friendly to me. And then all of a sudden, it bit me, and I was like,
1: "Wow, what does that mean?" um but anyway um yeah, because sometimes they nibble some cats are a little aggressive and they mean and they're friendly some cats don't yeah. know any better because they're not domesticated was the cat mean to you it's the swipe is the bad thing a bite might not be bad
0: anyway back to egypt and back mm. to some because there's just so many things that i'm just so curious about your perspective on um yeah. so there's there's the stones and like not to mention we're talking about how to get the stones there but then also, the outside of the pyramids was mm. smooth and shiny.
1: Perfect. It, and
0: yeah. perfectly smooth and shiny. It doesn't look like that now, but it was. And also there were tops to the pyramids. So yeah. I'm curious what you think the top was made out of? What do you think the purpose of the temple was? And then also mm-hmm. just to, like one final piece of like having been there and going through, going through the tunnels and the yeah and the inside the of the Great Pyramid, the shafts mm-hmm. and the stairs and all the like everything on the inside was definitely like I mean, there's no decorations. It looked like it was meant for acoustic purposes, it, um, but it, was, um, it, it also had some very small passageways and some very tall ones. Um, but anyway, I, how do they carve that into the stone? How do they plan ahead on that? I think they probably had to have some sort of like cutting, not cutting, but like frequency device that had to have been able, you have to go in after. They had to have gone yeah. in after they had to have yeah. gone in after to like carve the design or add or something like that. But anyway, give me your synopsis you. on what the hell the, te- the, the pyramids are all about and what they were used for and all about the top that doesn't exist anywhere other than there is one. What's mm. that called? There's a there's one top left. I can't remember the name of it right now. But they
1: have they moved over to the museum. Bon Bonner, bin bin, the bin bin. Something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. Bin bin yeah, top. Yeah. Actually, yeah.
0: a quick little story on the bin bin top and then I'm gonna let you have Sorry. it. Um, is that m- one of my friends Ray and I were you know, we're at the museum and the bin bin top is there. And so mm-hmm. she had this intuition that she could feel me through the rock. And so for people who don't know, the bin bin rock was is made of materials that's not found on earth. So there's like a lot of materials in it that are not found on earth. So anyway, so she was like, okay, put your hand on it and think of a body, like just like think of a body part. And so she, so she put her hand on the rock, all our, our hands were on the rock. And then we just sort of closed our eyes and let it happen. And, um, and the first place I'm now I'm forgetting, like it was maybe my something, foot or something like that. So she was energetically mm. pushing energy to a part of me.
1: And like so- Reiki kind of,
0: yeah, like a Reiki kind of thing. And so she get, so the first one was right, and then the next one was totally right too. and we just both stopped and we were like, "Oh my God, that was so
1: crazy. Like something like that to me, like that's something I would never forget for the rest of my life. And I would always wonder like, how is that possible? Like it's to me, because you can't prove it to someone else, but when you experience it, then you know it's real. It's like seeing is believing, so to speak. So of course, we were all taught that the pyramids were built to be tombs for the pharaohs. And I really want to emphasize to people that that theory did not exist until the latter part of the 1800s. At that period of time, Britain controlled Egypt. They quite literally invaded. Um, they had authority there. Um, a lot of people don't realize that Egypt has been absolutely conquered at least several times, I can think off the top of my head, but like who knows the other lost history there. Um, so I just want people to know that the only... There is absolutely no, almost no evidence to even suggest that the pyramids were built to be tombs for the pharaohs or anybody. As you were mentioning, besides the fact there's no decorations, they never found a single mummy in any pyramid ever, which surprises. Every time I tell that to somebody I meet, like, oh, what are you, you know, I tell them like, I'm talking ancient history and I mentioned that and they're like, really? Like, yeah. Um, The internal structure and layout is so utterly bizarre that to me, I believe that it was functional. I do not think that the pyramids were built to be tombs, and I know that sounds crazy to some people. First, because like, well, what is it? We mean functional. Like, it's a stack of bricks. Like, what are you talking about? And I, I just generally, I'm just sharing what I think. I think it's above us that they were. Some people back in time were more advanced than we are today. Although that's not to say that we're not more advanced than them as well. I think that there's just different realities that can exist at any point in time. In in in, in Like if you were to get a bunch of humans and put them on a bunch of different planets and come back, however many years later, I would, I'm, and assuming they didn't get obliterated by the elements or whatever, and just got a chance to really just thrive. You know what I mean? Like they're fed and they're secure and they're just allowed the human ingenuity to, to, to carry on. I bet you each individual civilization would be doing things that the other civilizations wouldn't think possible and vice versa. That's what I think. I think this is how humans work. Um, and I think that's what happened back in the day. And I, I I suspect that the pyramids were some sort of energy device. And I say that because the Nile River once went right up to it. And I when I think of like the largest structures on earth today, like hydroelectric dams, that's for producing electricity. And when you look at the fact that the, the Nile River once went right up to the steps, I'm like, and there's a subterranean chamber. Some have philosophized or, or, or have suggested that, theorized, I should say, um, that it channeled water and did something. Um, and and. I don't know, though. Like, what I do know is that I walked through it and knew I was in the presence of greatness, and there was not a single thing about it that, to me, resembled a tomb. Because I went to the Valley of the Kings, I went through the mastabas all around the Giza Plateau, which are known burial sites. Um, and there's not a single similarity at all, except that empty, those empty sarcophagi boxes inside the alleged king chambers of each. So, okay, maybe they were. There's a few possibilities there. Either they later on were used to be tombs for somebody, which is totally possible, um, or those boxes were once something else. Like in the in the king's chamber, it almost seems to me that that was something else and then was carved out because the um, you went in the, you had, I don't know, of course you did. You went in the great pyramid king's chamber, right?
0: King's chamber, queen's chamber and subterranean.
1: Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you lay in the box?
0: I did. I was going to ask that. I did. I, li- I toned in the box. We all did had you? a chance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Isn't that wild. And um, for people
0: who don't know what toning is, it's just honestly like
1: Ooh. Do it. Yeah. Like, um, oh I can't do it. Yeah. You're
0: just and it, toning. It's just like sounds. Mm-hmm. It's uh so anyway, we yeah. all had an opportunity to lay in it. And did you too? You did.
1: I yeah, did. So I was with a tour and I was really polite the whole time and that everyone cut in front of me and like because I didn't want to be Mr. Cause I was there with my camera and I was there to take pictures. And then I'm it was surprised
0: last- that you were yeah. able to film in there. They told us we couldn't. <laughs> I
1: know they did.
0: Our private visitation of the Great Pyramid was from three to five a.m. It was oh fucking, wow, holy fuck, shit! Fucking, was that up. like? It was a full yeah. moon, full moon in Leo, Woo! and oh, wow. it was it was stunning. It was so bright to be able to walk there because it was a full moon. Oh, my.
1: I was in there for t- we had a two hour, um, and it was at like six to eight p.m. So what I had done was I had me and a buddy, I literally sprinted and ran in front of the entire group of like 30 something people. I, I ran and I got in there first and I had about almost three minutes alone in there, the great pyramid king, alleged king chamber, totally alone. And it was like, that was a special moment for me. Cause I was like, I did it. I made it here. Like I'm here. Like, I'm like I was literally like, I don't know if I pinched myself but I remember thinking like pinch pinch, like holy shit, Jimmy, you made it. And not only did I make it, I'm there alone. It was, and then I laid in the box by myself and I remember just looking up and like, and one of the things that stood out more than anything was the acoustics that even the, my breath, the echoing, it, I've never experienced sound reverberation like that. Right. It was next level insane. Cause even if you're having a conversation, it's like echoing. I mean, you know, like, it's like, but like at a level I've never, I didn't even know could be possible. It was crazy. And, um, Yeah. I just, I just knew I was in the presence of greatness. I remember looking around at all the precision of these huge 70 ton stone blocks that were fit together perfectly without any type of mortar. And, and just thinking to myself, like, well, I knew I was just confused in there. I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's something else and nothing about it. I didn't have any burial chamber vibe to it at all. And I know some people listening is like, okay, who cares about your vibe? I'm like, it just wasn't, I just don't, I don't believe it. I would bet my, I would bet I bet a bit of limb on it. And if I end up losing an arm in the process, I would be utterly shocked. I would be shocked because I, I I, do, I genuinely believe, and it's not just a feeling, it's like if you really research every argument you can hear about the pyramid on being a tomb and otherwise or other theories as well that are alternative, yeah, I lean way against the the, the burial thing. I'm like, no, it's something else. Because, yeah. okay, you know when you went, you go down. So here's the thing, a lot of people don't realize that when they think of the pyramids, they, they in their own minds, because they're not familiar with the layout, they assume or think that it was like this maze uh, to hide the pharaoh, you know, the tombs, and, you know, it's like this complicated structure. It isn't. You go down, and then you go up, and then you're there. Yeah. There's, no, there's no, like, zigzag left and right, where do I go from here? Like, no, like, if this was meant to hide pharaohs, which they claim, I'm like, well, then all I did is go down and up, and I'm here. Um, yeah. But that part aside, remember how you went... You, you go down and then when you get into that soap or, uh, you go up, excuse me, uh, you first go down then you go up into the, uh, you get that grand gallery, excuse me, we're about to go up and you know how they have those wood planks that you walk up. It's kind of yeah. like stairs. You should see pictures of it without those, that wood there. It's a slide. It is a,
0: I was going to ask, is it like a tube almost? It's like, well, it's actually, it's rounded because the top is really, um, there's like, it's like a reverse, It's kind of, it's a pyramid inside and there's almost like staging. Um, into the ceiling that looks like it's acoustically designed. Mm -hmm. It's not just flat. There's actually like purposeful edges and ridges that are symmetrical and go, it it, it looks like it's meant for for frequency, energy, acoustics, something like that.
1: I totally agree. It's not decoration, it's functional. Um, And if you see it without that wood there, it's a different, you get a, I'll have to send you a picture after, because um, like these pictures are very old. They're black and white because those stairs have been there forever, those planks. But when you see it without it, you get this, put it this way. The vibe I get by looking at it without those stairs there, you would think it funneled water. And um, one of the gentlemen I met um, on this, uh, the, the first time I went, this guy is a brilliant, so he's a president of an air compression uh, uh, company in Canada, and he's a brilliant man. He's like, I would say high IQ, very nice guy as well. And he came there you know, inclined to think he's like I think there's more to the story here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna come look. And he's very, he's an inventor-like mind, and um and he had some very interesting thoughts. He's like it feels like this place, or his sense is that it's meant to keep massive amounts of energy and just the the very layout of itself. And he's like, when I look at different things that we do with compressors, just air, um, he's like, you know, he's like it's not irrational to suggest that if air and water had been moved through it, you could create insane amounts of pressure. And if you have high pressure, you can do anything with it, you can make that's energy itself. Like even um, um, the Titanic, like, all right, so that's primitive, like it's a steam engine. Um, The whole that 50,000 tons of iron that they were pushing it, you know, 20 plus miles an hour through the ocean um, was done only just through a bunch of built up pressure through steam,
0: through heat, they like throwing Mm -hmm. wood in the fire.
1: Yeah, yeah, Like in the scene
0: in Titanic, they're stoking the fire. They're they're, they're like, what are you doing here? You (laughs) shouldn't be here. (laughs) Try to tell them to leave because it was so hot and steamy. And it's just, you know, Mm -hmm. that heat and and heat creating energy. Yeah.
1: Some smart people I met on these tours from all over the world. that were there with open minds. And like some of them were even going there thinking, well, it's probably tombs, but let me, let me just see. And like, they left Egypt thinking like, what the, like, they're like, oh my God, like, like something was happening here on earth. that was really impressive. And like, and it's beyond, you know, it's just beyond, it's like, it's something it's gone, but the mystery is there. And like, to some people who I looked up to, because let me just say, let me speak for myself. Actually, I went there to Egypt and it confirmed what I was already highly suspicious of, which is that something spectacular was happening on earth, that humans were doing amazing things. But I'm like, I need to go and look, see with my own eyes, touch some things and kind of just get a feel before I like, you know, and, and yeah. just, then I'll know. And it confirmed it, whether it's the Assyrian, for sure, um, the Syripean the with the center time boxes, wow. the Great Pyramid and everything else. I'm like, OK, we I'm haven't like, even
0: talked about the temples, which is what we're no. going to talk about next. But yeah. mm. I mean, I'm with you. There's clearly something else. I, I hadn't thought of the water element. But I mean, when I was in the Great Pyramid and I was in the King's Chamber, I mean, the one thing that I feel like I can sense um, is frequency. So mm. like just the resonant frequency. So like I hate EMFs. Like I have EM. I took Wi-Fi out of my bedroom area. Okay. Oh, EMF help. reducers. I have like an EMF anti-radiation phone case. I've had it forever. Um, How do I get
1: one of those? Is that on Amazon? That's easy.
0: <laughs> the Safe Sleeves. The company they they're great. Um, they make blankets even now really? anti-radiation blankets. So anyway, I feel like I can feel that. That's kind of the one thing I can mm. feel. Um, really feel like pretty well. And um so this kind of plays into even per- interpersonal, like if like I can feel if there's truth and f- resonance with the with another person in me and with mm. their telling like just there's a frequency to everything. And so yeah. I, that's kind of bullshit what I'm
1: saying. You got a good yeah. bullshit detector. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, on lots of levels. Mm. So um, mm. but in the great pyramid in the king's chamber, the frequency was really high. So my opinion is, is that it was used as like. Um, energy centers. I just think they yeah. were energy centers. I think that perhaps they were used for healing. Um, perhaps yeah. they were used to somehow sort of charge up in some kind of ways, even mm. to rebalance. And, you know, maybe there was some kind of, I don't know, communication with other extraterrestrials. Maybe that's where it happened um, right. because of the alignment with um, Orion's Belt and the pyramids mm-hmm. and and the way that they use the stars perhaps as sort of like a almost like a like a, a direction it's like directions it's like a yeah.
2: map it's like oh
0: yeah it could be land a here it could be like
1: a, like we're here yeah ping ping like land come, here come come and get us hey hey alien overlords that dropped us off and, and left us come back and get me. Perhaps, it
0: is. perhaps I'm, I'm ready. Although I say that and then I walk out at night to let the dogs out and I'm like, I'm ready. I'm not ready. I don't think so. Um, yeah. Like the like idea The actual like idea her. of it is like far, <laughs> like if it was really going to happen is a little bit more scary. Although I believe yeah. that there'd be benevolent beings and they would probably make me feel comfortable. Like in the movie contact when Jodie Foster yeah, like meets her dad on the beach and he looks yeah. like it's her dad, but it's really actually mm-hmm. just an alien or an extraterrestrial and um, they're like, we thought this would make it more comfortable for you. I'm sure they could shape shift into whatever would make us comfortable.
1: I um, love that movie, by the way. Some people like some people diss that movie. I'm like, you're dumb. I'm like, this movie's too uh, smart for you. It's brilliant.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. But that's definitely what I think. And then perhaps mm-hmm. maybe the tops were made. Maybe the tops came from extra, extraterrestrials. Maybe they were yeah. like a. Div- maybe they were um, sort of like the conduit or conductor to right. the to the structure, Um, but, you know, we're probably going to have to die to find out, but that's, those are our theories. Now I'm kind of curious what you think about the temples because I had a lot of Mm. thoughts about the temples and um, I highly recommend people to go and see them because they're absolutely stunning. Every square inch of temples from uh, the pillars to the ceilings, to the walls, everything is covered in Hieroglyphs and stories and pictures, and um, it's it's just really stunning. And as we touched on earlier for a second, that the um, Egyptian culture has been conquered many times. Um, it's really sad to see how the Romans came and chipped off like the hand, the feet, and the heads.
2: Yeah, of faces. Like,
0: everything, the faces uh-huh. and the feet and stuff got chipped off in in, in so, so, so many temples. And it's, it's really sad because, yeah. um, you think about the, these guys just like, slaving over and, and trust me, some of them are so high, right? Like they're so high up there and they're on ceilings and they're obviously spending their days just being assholes and chipping faces. off. So um, yeah. but anyway, the temples, what did you think of those and what did you think um, they were used
1: for? There's a bunch of temples. A lot of people don't realize in Egypt how many temples are, but my absolute yeah. favorite and, and where well, it was many people's favorite, um, the temple of Hattor, it is, it's in Dendera. And it was my absolute favorite. I have not been to the, yeah, it's, isn't that, is it's your stunning. favorite you said?
0: It's, That's my favorite. I mean, <laughs> I love the Isis temple, but as we talked about, mm-hmm. um, it has been moved and there's just yeah, some essence yeah. <laughs> of it that doesn't feel the same because mm-hmm. it was underwater and they, they were right. able to lift it and move it to dry land. Now it's still stunning, um, but uh, Dendera um, or Hathor temple was just, unreal and there's so much blue in it still it's and
1: it's yeah how did that paint survive and like so I have I have not been to Italy unfortunately um but I have friends that were with me in Egypt that had been to the Sistine Chapel and this gentleman um let me give a shout out to George Howard he's awesome he's one of the uh he was a scientist on one of the original Younger Dryas uh papers brilliant man fun to travel with and uh he was there I was with him and he said he'd been in the Sistine Chapel, and he's like, "This place dwarfed it." He's like, "This place, like to him, he's like this eclipsed it." That was his word. He's like, "This eclipses it." They're both impressive. But this place was some because those huge columns, and I don't know what it was like—80 feet high, at least oh, 60 huge. feet, but maybe 80 feet. Like it was the ceilings were all the way up there, and um, and not only that, it had this wonderful vibe. Like I, I, I'm big on vibes. Like I, feng shui is a real thing. Like whether it's me adding plants into my house or like you know different places like whether i go to like um a restaurant or like a wine bar with friends or something i'm like some places feel better than others yeah you're and just
0: sensing energy you're just feeling yeah. frequency baby feeling yeah frequency. and
1: so yep, what did you
0: think that what what was the energy for
1: you in there i have my idea bliss. what i thought the energy bliss it was blissful me yeah, i was i was yeah. i'm like this place is is I, I i could like live there i'm like this place was lovely i'm like there's something i thought I it was know, super
0: playful out. I thought it was yeah. super playful. I was just like picturing myself running around and playing and playing hide and go yeah. seek in there. I was like, this place yeah. is fun. This yeah. feels like a really fun place to be. Like it had just a really good, good, positive, blissful, yep. fun energy.
1: And and like you were saying, like from like floor ceiling to, or to ceiling is every inch practically covered in glyphs, spectacular glyphs. Like you're seeing that blue still in there. Like anyone listening. Type in, go to Google Images and type in uh, Temple of Hator, H A T H O R. If you just do that, you'll, you'll, the pictures will bring it up. But I was going to say the ceiling alone. Uh, um, but you know, one of the things that really, really, really got me about that place is, you know, are you are you familiar with the so-called light bulb um, glyphs? Are down in that subterranean portion, like be, there's these there's certain light
0: bulb hieroglyphs. Because we this is one of those things that fascinated me is that well, that I wanted to talk about was how mm-hmm. there's n- I don't know how they saw anything, I don't know what kind of light they use. Because we've got these wires and lights all over the place so that we can see, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that they did not freaking use those back in the this days, is, and I don't black. know how they got how they saw anything because I don't I didn't see any hieroglyphs or anything that would indicate light. Other yeah. than perhaps maybe the onk was some form of it because they're always something. Funny. But I did
2: not. Yeah.
1: What did you see? Well, okay. So a couple things. Let me tell people that, um, first of all, in some of these subterranean areas where it's pitch black without any of our lighting, like Danica was just saying, like, this is, like we rigged up these shitty lights. Like you got these cords everywhere. It's it's not. Pretty. Wh- whatever. Yeah. And But what's missing is soot from when you use lanterns or torches. So like, for example, the Sistine Chapel, I forgot what year it was. It was like, I want to, I'm just guessing. Let's say the latter part of the 1800s. They did restoration and they had hundreds and hundreds of years of soot on it from candlelight and torches. And they cleaned all that up. Like, uh, so all those magnificent paintings that people see on the top of the, si- the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel was restored because it was covered in soot. Like people need to understand that that smoke that emits from whether it's a candle. I'm not talking about your little fun wax candle from Yankee Candle Company, but like you are using legit, um, flame at, for lighting especially over the last number of hundreds of years it takes in a short period of time you get black sweat that just sticks to the ceiling and it's really gross
2: yeah
1: um and there's none of that there zero and 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 it's not because they've restored it like you can research it there just never was and so you go to this one area and like I was you were describing a few minutes ago how all the faces are destroyed um, and there was this one little section that, do you remember crawling down in a corner of a little room, you go down and there's this little, and you had to like, I nailed my back on it. And like, you know what I'm talking about? You went down and then there's this long, you turn yeah. right, there's this long hallway you, It's arrow. kind of
0: towards the back of the temple. And then you yes. go down, it's in a room, there's like an opening that you go down some stairs yeah. and then you kind of twist around and down yeah. and crank around. And then it goes yeah. both directions. They called yep. it like for us, they were kind of like, giving us this sort of like overview of the temples and like they were saying Mm -hmm. that was kind of the birthing canal so whatever but it was (laughs) completely dark it would have been completely pitch black absolutely no Mm -hmm. natural light could have got in there
1: yeah so you know it's wild and i have video of this um just all right so that was one of the places that was off i forgot what year they discovered that i want to say it was a lot of part of the 1800s when like it may have been i don't know if it was splendors petrie or vice or whoever but Either way, the people that originally went through and ransacked and, and, and destroyed the faces, they didn't find that spot because mm-hmm. it was covered. So if you actually go back and look at it, and I'll have to post this video online. I have it. I've been sitting on it. Um, in that corner that you go to get down in there, it was a granite block. It was completely... This is a hidden passage, people. Like This was meant to be kept secret, and it was because the vandals that went through there never found it because it, the place is pristine. And so you have to move this... I, don't know, I couldn't even tell you how heavy this big ass granite block that was a, a flooring tile and when you move that this thing was locked shut so like people had to eventually break in there and then you get into this room covered in total glyphs all over the place and one of which is the so-called light bulb now let me just say i don't think it's a light bulb but it looks like it and oh. if you go type in egypt light bulb and then you know you're going to see it yeah. and, and it's and you were talking earlier, because this is the one of the things that came to my mind, you are talking about like, yeah. um, I forgot how you worded it, but like us being, I forgot how you worded it, but basically there's these weird faces, and there's like four or five of them, and there's, it's like this thing on their head, and it's like this, this string coming out, attaching to this weird looking device, it's like these yeah. people's heads are connected to something, and I'm like, I think they're trying, I don't know what they're trying to express, the way it was explained to me with like that alleged light bulb thing, um. Um, it was explained to me that essentially it's, it's showing you them harnessing it's, he said it's more impressive than even a light bulb because within that knowledge that they're trying to show you is the power of the universe and how you can create all things and that all things Mm. that have been created, it's showing you that that's where it came from. And some people say, Oh, it's earth. And this is the, this is the stars and the cosmos. There's all kinds of different ways to interpret it. But what I will say is, is, this a, this is, some, is this it? Is this it? No, that's not the light bulb one. But that's right on the. That is what I was just describing to you. So the answer is yes. The light bulb thing is just a few oh, feet. Oh, hang down on. From is that, that same it? wall? Is yeah, that? that's that's yes. That's the alleged light bulb thing. Uh huh. And they say, oh, like, oh, that's just the bottom portion is um, Osiris's uh, backbone, and it's uh, blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, I, that's not what it is. Um, I think they're that's literally the showing jeb. the technology.
0: The one with yeah, the lines a is a Jeb. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and then it's almost to me that looks like. To me, I'd think it was more like, I don't know, it looks like sperm.
1: Kind of. Yeah, actually, yeah. Because it it's like it could. snakes almost. So when you look at that, so what I think I'm looking at is something very impressive. It could be technology or it could be showing you harnessing the universe itself yeah. for technology. I mean, it's very complicated and there's so many different thoughts in this. And some people are convinced they're showing you a light bulb and all these other things. All I know is that that knowledge, this is the point I want to make. And especially that first picture you showed of like all those heads connected to that thing. I'm like, what the, like, that's really weird. And the part, the part that I want to emphasize to people, like they hid this shit. They, this is underground in a secret passage that was kept hidden for thousands of years. And even vandals that went through over millennia to try and wreck this place, never found it. They purposely put it in a crypt like situation where again, I'm going to have to upload this video because it's like Jimmy's home video on his iPhone. And it was Mm -hmm. so funny, but, um, You get, you hit me, like you hear me hit my back and I'm such an idiot. It's so funny. But, um, anyway, so like you go down in there and I'm like, this place is secret. And, and, and this, the most bizarre glyphs I've ever seen out of anything from ancient history are in that spot. And just look at it and think for yourself, people like you go and research what the mainstream says about it. You should definitely do that. Um, but just look and think for yourself and tell me that you're not, it's like they're they're trying to preserve information and they put it in a spot that would never be, or I shouldn't say Never they put it in a spot that was meant to be kept safe.
0: Well they're supposed to so, supposedly there are tunnels. They they haven't like found them all, but there mm-hmm. are, the, the idea is that they they have tunnels all over connecting everything. Like there's an underground yeah. tunnel system going all around. Mm-hmm. Um, especially within the p- temples themselves. But I had an overwhelming feeling that these temples were like I thought about it and I thought about our own temple and they I felt like they were used for our own introspection into ourselves and our power, and I feel like, as we talked about a while ago, um, as we've been going on and on, um, that we're meant to cultivate this connection with ourself and our and in mm-hmm. our inner in our inner being and in our higher self. And the connection to everything because that's Mm -hmm. how it is um since we're just energy which is how quantum entanglement works when something is happening when once particles have been entangled they will then forever have a resonance with each other and einstein called it spooky things happening at a distance and didn't like it because it wasn't quantifiable but it's a reality and i felt like there was there was a the temples were were meant for cultivating um magic and we think about yeah. magic as being like, oh, magic is funny and not real. Right. Yeah. Magic is yeah, yeah. just shit we can't explain.
1: Yeah. unknown you know? science. Miracles the and
0: magic are just things we cannot explain yet.
1: Yep. I'm with you. The workings of the universe in a way that is as mysterious as whether they call it black matter. So because like a vast, it's something like 94, 95, maybe it's 96% of all matter in the universe is considered to be dark where we can't even comprehend it. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, what? I'm like, people read on this. Like yeah. They'll read up on dark matter and how they're discovering that a vast majority of all existence itself is unseen by the eye. Even yeah. light, there are different, um, I forgot how many different frequencies have been identified of light, like like um, um, actual like measured in Hertz, but it is unbelievably more than the human eye can even comprehend. Um, and all these things is essentially science explaining that, there are things that exist that are not yet capable of being um, identified through technology or even the human senses, obviously. And I'm like, the implications of that in itself are, I think, it's wild. I think yeah. I, it's it's proof that there's more going on beyond the veil of the human eyes, like I was saying earlier.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that, but I think I, I think those temples were used to cultivate this, um, these, these, this magic that we used to mm. use just like we'd use things that we wouldn't call magic. You know, magic was, ju- magic was real. Magic is real. And yep. um, you know, it's why the power of belief work. It's, it's why um, thoughts become things, law of attraction, all that stuff. Like you can't really quantify it. You can't, yep. this isn't like, this isn't scientifically proven. It's just trends and, um and, and something powerful beyond what we've been able to prove scientifically.
1: I am so curious to ask you, because I look at you, I'm like, this person is a powerful manifester. I look at your life and different things. I'm like, none of it's an accident. Like you, to me, I'm like, it seems like this person had chosen, like you were saying early in the conversation that you had saw yourself getting to that level, like within racing. I forgot exactly how you worded it, but like, had you visualized that you were going to become like on the world stage, like years and years before it happened?
0: Yeah. When I was like 10 years old, I wanted to wow. be, I wanted to win the Indy 500 when I was 10. Holy shit. And then I moved to England when I was 16. I lost my, I didn't have a job when I was 19. I lived there for three mm-hmm. years and raced, came back, didn't have a ride, but for some reason, I still believed I was going to make it. I just did.
1: The power belief is everything. Like have you, um, when you say magic exists, and I, first of all, I believe in, I have my own examples, why it's been proven to me.
0: Magic is like a placebo.
1: And yeah, it's an exchange of energy. Energy is you're tracking things. I don't know if I want to call it magnetism or gravity or what, but I'm like, we literally, whether it's through words, thoughts, intention, and feeling and belief. Because this is one of the things I was um, on a podcast not long ago and I was trying to make the point, but I kind of lost my train of thought. And I was trying to say, like, I was using the example that we're made up of stardust and that. So people can Google this. Like 94% of all elements in the human body are emitting constantly from the sun as well as prior supernovas. So I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. So like uh, countless tons of stardust are being rained
2: oh, yeah. on earth
1: every year. And and 94% of all elements in the human body originate from the sun and those supernovas. And so I'm like, so we are literally stardust in the fact we're talking about it. And the fact that I believe I can manipulate my reality through the power of belief and intention and words because this is something I've been playing with now for the last handful of years. And, and, and now I I know beyond any doubt, I'm like this, it works. But a lot of people, if they haven't had, it's hard for people to believe because I was raised Catholic and I smelled the bullshit early on. But when I was told belief from a Christian standpoint, I was to me, I interpreted as like, Oh, believe or else you're in trouble. You're going to hell. Don't forget to put money in the collection plate on your way out or else you know yep.
0: manifesting uh is about thinking of an idea um visualizing actually uh, as an as an example of manifestation ability um uh it was how i ended up in egypt i was at mm. i was doing a joe dispenza one day event that's a, i
1: love that guy by the way yeah
0: and yep. um at the end of it he was teaching us this manifestation technique where you um think of what it is that you want want to want to attract. And it could be anything. It could be a car, shopping, a Mm -hmm. trip, like whatever, anything. And write down the letter to represent it. And then on one side of the letter, what are, you know, a handful of reasons why. And then on the other side, a handful of elevated emotions, having achieved it and, and, and have it. And so in the, in the, yeah. at the end of the meditation, we went into the manifestation of it and you visualized yourself truly there. So I visualized myself in and I wanted to manifest Egypt. So I visualized myself there, how it felt, um, the, the feelings that I would have around it, the emotions, yeah. the just like the awe of it, like all the things like I really put myself there. And then two hours after I went to dinner, some girl tapped me on the shoulder and she was like, I heard that you're interested in Egypt. And I was like, holy shit, what? And um, I said, did you know what I wrote down? I was like, did I tell everyone or something? She goes, no. She said, you just you were talking about Egypt with somebody earlier. She goes, there's a trip in February if you want to go. That's the trip I ended up going on. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. I mean, there's a lot of other things that are really interesting too. like, as an example, the, the, the leader of it that, that put the group together, her name is Isis, um, not given mm-hmm. name, I'm pretty sure. Isis was an insanely wonderful Egyptian goddess. Um, and so when I was developing my wife, like m- moved into my house here and doing my Wi-Fi, one of the parts of my uh, Wi-Fi is, has Isis in it. And yeah. yeah, and then there was there was a bunch of other things. Like I had a ring that uh an ISIS ring that I had bought years before, years before uh ISIS ring. I couldn't even remember who it was. I was like, God, I gotta look this up. What was the significance of this again? And so like I bought the ring. Um ISIS was my Wi-Fi. It was a little bit more, but I'm not trying to tell everyone my Wi-Fi name. And <laughs> yeah. um, and then um And then ISIS was leading this event. I had manifested the Egypt trip like all in two hours of like thinking about wanting it for real, though, you know, like it's one Mm -hmm. thing to say I want to go there and it's another thing to actually apply a technique to it. So anyway, the point is, is that intention and embodying the feeling and anchoring, anchoring the reality with emotion, with visceral emotion is insanely powerful.
1: So I 100% agree. And this is something I didn't. All right. So I, I was living alone in Boise. I, all right, so to people who don't know much about me, like I, I went through this path of depression. Like, so basically that r- rewind a few years, I got divorced. I'm real depressed. I'm living alone in Boise with the dogs and I'm just creating my YouTube and I'm spending a vast majority of my time alone. And with that i I, there's a lot of benefits when you spend a lot of time alone you start to kind of learn more about yourself you kind of come out of your shell more you realize how much being around other people affect you and like sharing different things when you're utterly alone for long periods of time like i am working alone i hardly knew anyone out there i didn't have any family and it's like so i started like playing around with the universe and i was able to i guess be more open-minded especially since i was at sort of moments of the just despair just depressed just like you know Wanting help and um, just to be happy, I guess. And so I started playing around with stuff. And over time, I started to hear different things different people were saying. And I was like dabbling in the law of attraction. And I figured some things out along the way. And I guess, long story short, like everything you just said, it's all about visualizing and believing the end result because people that want something that's what you're putting out is want. And you're only ever going to get back is want. You're going to spend the rest of your life wanting something or you're never going to have it because that's exactly what you're telling the universe to give you. So I remember hearing, um, a few different people say something and I'll, I'll mention her name, even though, um, I may, well, I don't want to say, what well, I'll do, All right. So Oprah, she's been unbelievably successful. I don't necessarily agree with everything, but well, she advocated for the Clinton. So I like, that's a red flag to me, but anyway, I'll shut up. Um, but she is a powerful manifester and she has said it. And I found this little known interview by her. It has like no views at all on YouTube. And she tells this person who, who I've never heard of, just a small little interview, who knows what she was up to. And she's, the girl had said something about, hey, you're in, you know, you manifest, right? And she's like, yeah, you want to know how I do it? She's like, yeah. And she says, I believe, and I'm paraphrasing, she said something to the effect of what you already said, which is that I put myself, I know how to put myself on the frequency and believing I already have it and adding the feeling to it. And I get it every time. So so fast forward, so hold on, I was already at that, when she said that, I already knew that was true. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I already figured something this out. So hold on. So I was, like I said, I was raised Catholic, but I, I picked up on the BS early on. I refused to be confirmed. My dad was all mad at me about it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, now there's, anyone that was raised Catholic would know that every Sunday they read this the same passage off every single Sunday that year to date. So essentially every year or forever in the Catholic church, you only hear so many Bible verses. And it's a limited amount for a book that's really, really freaking big. So I spent years just blown off the Bible, didn't take it serious at all. I'm like, okay, whatever, it's a bunch of stories. But I find it quite interesting that so many people had had put things together for thousands of years, and I'm like, there's got to be some truth to it. So all right, let me just fast forward to what I'm getting at, is that to me, there, the Bible has been massively misinterpreted, and there's a man named Neville Goddard. Have you ever heard of him? Neville Boddard, Goddard,
0: I know him, Yep. Yeah.
1: this is is? what he talks about yes he talks about it
0: talks about going to sleep every time you go to bed you should visualize what you want to make it happen
1: yes and he's so to people listening he is he says and this makes total sense to me now he says the bible has been completely misinterpreted and it should be read as in first person as if you wrote it so every he says and i believe him because this is i've tested this and i was already testing it beforehand so it, it was validation is what i'm trying to tell people it wasn't like I heard someone say this, I tried it out and it worked. It was like, no, it validated. I'm like, oh my God, this is what's making sense to me. So hold on, I have in front of me, I brought it up on my computer, but there are three Bible verses. And I had never heard these in my entire life. And I find that very concerning. So this is going to be Mark 9:23, Matthew 21, 22, and Mark 11:24. And let me just say, because I always used to scoff off Bible verses. I'm like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those names didn't even exist when the Bible was written. Like it's bullshit. Like they put a bunch of, I'll just say a bunch of white man names in there. Like I'm like, that's not names. Regular old names. To anyone hearing this, I always use, I I know what it's like to scoff off the Bible, but it doesn't mean that there isn't any uh, information in there. That's not accurate. Right. So, so here's, let me just read them all off because it confirms what you said. And I, and and, and before people think that I'm trying to like poison their minds with some religious debate, you know, whatever, just test things out for yourself and think people. So here's what they are. Sorry. All things are possible to him who believes, and all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, ye ye shall receive. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So what it's telling you is to live in the moment. So anything that I've manifested, and I'll share some stories in a minute if you want, it was literally... So when it says prayer, people, it means the power of your imagination. Don't, prayer isn't like, oh, give me this, oh, I want a car, give it to me, please. No, 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 it's, it's, it's visualizing, it's using your imagination, which is somehow made, all right, again, we're made of stardust and you can, you can, you can imagine something like that's, all inventions came from imagination. Exactly. Everything came from imagination. So what it's saying, it's all misinterpreted. And I believe this to be true because I've tested it a million times and I've had the most bizarre synchronicities and things come to fruition. So I know it's real, um, but I don't, I say it to somebody like, don't believe Jimmy, don't believe Danica, just test it. And what am yeah, I telling you out. here? Just believe something. This is a, if nothing else, this is a positive mindset. Like if people don't want to believe the woo woo part of it, which I, let me just say, I do believe, I do We believe we have powers that involve gravity or magnetism or something. We're talking magic here, but what I'm saying is that this is like, future science in that this is the reality of how things work. And it's just beyond our understanding. And it might sound crazy to some, but what I'm, I'm not trying to make you believe anything here. What I'm trying to say is that if nothing else, remove the woo-woo, if nothing else, the benefits of putting an intention out there and having that confidence and belief in yourself that you can do it and pursue it um, and just visualize what that end result will look like and add the feeling behind it Yep. it will be yours. And there's another, I don't have it in front of me, but there's another passage that says that to those that have all, and I'm paraphrasing, those that have all, they're going to get more and those who have nothing, all will be taken away. And the, the way Neville God uh, describes it is that it's saying that because of those that figured this out, it becomes easier and easier to, to manifest because you can believe because you know what it's like to have miracles happen and you know it can happen. But where with, with other people that have a more non-believing nihilistic viewpoint, they're going to get shit because the, that self-doubt Self-doubt is so destructive. You'll never get anything if you doubt. So I don't know know,
0: if- You're going to continue to get more of what you don't think you should get.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what you're putting out. The universe is going to give you whatever you want. If you want a miserable shit on earth existence, you can totally
0: have it. And also, if you want something, it's implying you don't have it. And so the universe kind of gets confused. And so the energy is like a resistant energy because you're like, oh, I just want it so bad. Ah. And really the truth of that frequency is that you don't have it. And so that kind exactly. of continues can use as and, well. So and that's
1: all you'll ever get is the not have.
0: And that's why you have to let go. You have to know what you want, go through mm-hmm. a manifestation technique, believe that you can have it, and then let it go. Exactly. you don't know how it's going to come. It might show up tomorrow or in mm-hmm. 10 years, but, but trust that it's at the right time with the right situation. And yes. that you you don't always know exactly how it should go down. Our yep. timelines are, you know, we have our own timeline of how things should go. But when we release timelines, it actually accelerates them. And so mm. I totally, I think that's such a fascinating thing to, to share with people. Um, I think because we've gone so long and I believe uh, that we could yeah. do like a whole series here. We didn't even talk yeah. about the moon. We didn't talk about... Um. AI. We didn't talk about JFK. There's like a million things we didn't talk about, but we just don't have enough time. Um, So I think maybe uh, just to wrap it up, because we've talked about a lot of really fun things and you have for anyone who wants to watch more, your videos are just so dense with information. I feel like I've listened to them five times to get it, Um, but they're really informational. Um, But what is like the one thing that you feel like if I could get out of this life having a much more confident understanding of, or maybe even let's go further with it. Let's say if you could Mm. know one truth that you're seeking, that you're trying to figure out, what would that one thing be that you would want to know the truth of?
1: Well, it goes, oh my God, it goes along the lines of what we just talked about. I'm very so when we talk about all these things involving manifestation, I guess it involves what is all this? And it's just, are we part of a one consciousness? What is I am? What is God? What is the, what is existence? And I guess if, if I've already confirmed that there's, that we have powers that, that aren't supposed to exist based on anything we are taught in organized religion or school or whatever. It, like we were just talking about just power of belief, let's say, uh, and what can come in your life because of it. Um, I mean, I would love to tell you, like, I like to know what, what the great pyramid was. Cause that's up there. I want to know that. Like if I could travel back in time, it's going to be like, I need, I need to see what was going on in Egypt 4,500 years ago. Cause it answers so many other questions for me. But, yeah. um, I do believe that cause I'm very, like, we we're talking real early on. I'm concerned about the direction of humanity. So I think if there's nothing else, it'd be the understanding to know that people that you can and, and do create your own reality. Happiness is a choice. Success. Um, or not success. Let's say excellence. Excellence is not a skill set. It is an attitude and anything you want in life you can get. So for me, I guess it's more finding a way to communicate this to others. Um, so I don't know. Uh, that's a really great question, a truth. I guess so it's-,
0: it's the pyramid. It sounds like it's the pyramid.
1: I that's like the that one DM's thing is.
0: that you'd like to know, right? Because you yeah, can right. help people, that's what you're doing right now is sharing your experiences to inspire people to, right. you know, use this information to better their life and be happier yep. and more successful and and live in live in more
1: excellence.
0: Um yeah. so it's the pyramid, that's your that's your final answer.
1: Yeah. I, all right, cuz let me just say if like you think that Tesla was still around. Like that man was so far ahead of his time and how he got all of his inventions. He was convinced. The things we just said, he was convinced that ideas were coming to him from the, the fabric and wheelwork of the universe itself. He, be- he didn't invent things by touching this and building like, okay, I'm going to adapt. He would sit there. He said a vast majority of his time was sitting doing nothing. And he said ideas would pop in his head randomly and he believed that they were being sent to him. And I'm like, I know what he's means because it's happened to me. And I know it sounds so silly to some people because I'm just like this, I'm making YouTubes in my spare bedroom with my dog staring at me. And like, but like, to me, I do take pride. on making like a, a thumbnail and a title because I'm like, if I, if I want to tell people that the Rich Hot structure might be Atlantis, how the hell do I make that damn video? And I'm like, sometimes I get this flash for a title or a thumbnail that will help more people to see it. And I know that sounds silly to some, but it means something to me. And I'm like, but I, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, I, I, I will go from struggling with no idea. And then I've been in um, examples of like a um, sensory deprivation tanks, like float tanks. I don't know if you've ever done that, but I've got wild ideas in there that, that panned out. Oh, you haven't tried that?
0: No, but oh, I oh, oh. I bet it feels like laying this in is the stings chamber sarcophagus.
1: Yeah. It, it's a must try to anybody. It's, it, there's no yeah. better man. There's no other way. Uh, let me reword this. The most profound way to meditate, at least for someone like me that struggles to be able to sit still Go put your ass in for an hour or an hour and a half into a, a saltwater sensory deprivation float tank where they you eliminate all senses yeah, virtually, yeah. and 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 you have to because like I I was I was it blew me away and I did it I had a membership back and I lived in Boise so I haven't done this in a year but I was going every week and it 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 benefited my life profoundly wow. and and even my success because I got ideas I'm living I'm literally sure. sitting in a dark closed thing with nothing else to do. And in it came ideas that gave, that, cool. that gave me exactly what I needed at that time. And I'm like, so I know it works. I'm like, what the hell did this idea come when I'm just sitting still? And somebody would be, oh, you're just focusing. You're just concentrating. I'm like, oh, whatever. I don't know. All I know is that it, I didn't have the idea before and now I do. So,
0: As Nikola Tesla said, <laughs> to wrap it up, if mm. you want to know the secrets of the universe, you need to think in terms of frequency, energy, and vibration. And And I might have got the three things in the wrong order, but that's basically. No, you nailed it.
2: (laughs) Um,
0: and I think that what we've talked about is a whole lot of that, whether it was how the pyramids were made, what the temples were for, what's possible with human Mm -hmm. existence, with manifesting or with magic, it's all about frequency and your energy and vibration. And that's all we are anyway. So it's really about how do we use, how do we manipulate, how do we use, how do we, how do we Mm -hmm. move with the universe? And I think we're all just trying to figure it out. And I know that you're the part that you play in educating people on your research and, um, all of these ancient mysteries. Um, I hope you figure out what the pyramid, uh, truth is maybe, maybe (laughs) it even just comes to you in a vision or a dream, but, um, but I hope you figure it out and, um, please pass it along. Uh, and in the meantime, keep, keep making your videos because they're educating a lot of us and they're just fascinating. So it's been really fun to talk to you.
1: Thank you, Danica. That means a lot. And same to you. I'm very excited to see where this next venture takes you in life. I think that, you know, the racing and all that was spectacular, but I'm super curious because you're so young, you're so vibrant. You're like this really bright soul. You're smart, you're intuitive, and you have this passion to explore the unknown. And mark my words, you're you're going on to something else. It, I'm, I don't know what it is. You might not know what it is, but like something's coming and I'm excited to see where it takes you too. So and if you ever want to do it again, let's do it because I got a bunch of notes I've made up on the moon in Antarctica. Oh there's, good. There's there's things going on in the moon, so we'll save that for another time. <laughs>
0: and underneath the ice cap,
1: underneath the ice in Antarctica.
0: Okay, we'll touch on that next yeah. time. Okay.
1: All right, Danica. All right. Thank you again. Everyone, thank hey, go you. subscribe to Danica Patrick's podcast. And Aww, thank, you thank
0: you. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.